We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Jeremy White. It seems like for those of you that had old Nintendos, you pull the cartridge out, you blow in it, and you put it back in. Like... See if yes. this works. Yeah. And sneaky Joe DiBiase. The PlayStation 2 memory cards were the same thing for me. It, it did somehow always work. You never had a regular Nintendo, Josh. No, I did. My you... first my first game system no. was a GameCube. Old? What was I thinking? I ain't old. The GameCube was not regular I Nintendo. I'm talking about the actual first Nintendo. Boy, I can teach you guys some things about video games. I'm going to give you a phrase. You tell me if it means anything to you. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, VA, start. We're not so different. You and I. Let me let me ask you if this brings anything to mind. Wave dashing. No. Okay. See? What's that? Different times. Smash Bros. You're listening to Jeremy and Joe on Western New York Sports Giant. WGR Sports Radio 550. All right. Easy question off the jump here. Yep. While the Bills and the Sabres have not actually won any championships, how many times have the Bills or the Sabres won a championship for you in the video game? How many oh, times? Man. How many times has Joe DiBiase, Josh Schmidt, led the Bills to a Lombardi Trophy or Do- the Sabres to the Stanley Cup? Dozens of times. <laughs> Dozens of times. At least we have that, right? We can do that. I wish there was a way to keep track because I don't know the number. It's, it's multiple per year, probably. Not because there's a lot recently, but there would have been three per year, four per year, especially the the drought, I especially. Mean, Oh, yeah. The drought was your chance to make the Bills good, make a trade. I will never forget where I was in the 2009 Super Bowl when uh, I had to put Charlie Fry in at quarterback because all the other ones were hurt and still won the Super Bowl. Charlie Fry. Charlie Fry, baby. Bills, Madden franchise legend. Yep. Wow. Yep. There's the franchise mode on those games and, like... You can just go forever. Did you build well, a new stadium? How about that? Did you go that far? You can upgrade your stadium in NHL. I don't know if you can build a new stadium. I in have Madden. built a new stadium when I've not been the Bills and moved different teams. Wow. Yeah. That one's always fun. I too. can't believe you would do that. Yeah, I moved the New York Giants. <laughs> Where'd you put them? Toronto. Ooh. Perfect. NFC East. you got to keep them in the East somehow. Built a new stadium for that. I would not be one, though, considering you know the drought teams. I guess sometimes I would be the actual Bills roster. I would be the Bills and do the fantasy draft mode. And I would just redraft the entire team. So I'd be the Bills, but I would not have, like... I'm not playing this video game with Trent Edwards as my quarterback. That's not fun. That's not fun for anybody. Did you ever make the Belfast Bulldogs? Isn't that the the England expansion team? did not do that. I did not do that. Maybe that's a recent one. I don't know. There's, like, set expansion teams in Madden. And, like, one of them, I think, is in Belfast. Yeah. And then there's one in Mexico City. Typically, though, for me, it was fantasy draft the Bills, so it'd be the Bills with a different roster, and then Sabres, it would just be the Sabres, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Couple couple championships a year. Perfect. I'm trying to think what I what sport game I would have won the most. Might have been, well, might have, might have been college football. I, I, like, I might yeah. have led Syracuse to more national championships than Sabres or Bills or Giants to Super Bowls. Yeah. Because that mean when I, growing up, I would have been the Giants. What about for FIFA? 
Oh, millions of millions of Premier League. I, I got Newcastle Actually, for the Premier League title. That's not true. Day. I play Ultimate Team more than anything. So, so titles. Not, yeah. You're yeah. not doing manager mode for S- FIFA? Sometimes. It would have been, boy, what year? Like, probably 2012. I was the manager of Arsenal. Yeah. As, as you know, it's my team. Yeah. I'm managing Arsenal. I'm having a good time. And my striker just is not finishing. He's not in form for like a month. And I lost to a third-tier team in the FA Cup, and I got fired. <laughs> and it, it was wow. a really it was a jarring you got experience. Fired I got in the fired. Game? I got fired. So what f- happens when you get fired? We were in second place in the Premier League and I lost to a bad team and I got fired. And then what happens? You go take another job. And you can't wow. quite reason with the video game because I'd sit there like, "No, that's I'm just trying bosses. to have a good time here. I'm just trying to manage my favorite team and now they're sending me down to, you know, get some third-tier French team." That that's my 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 job offer. Third-tier French team. Wow. And yeah. you, you can't reason with no. your bosses. It's you, a, that's it. You, you can't. Decision. You have to start all over again. I got fired. I, I mean, it was a, it was. I read the the you know the little fake paper on the screen ten times. Like, are you are you really telling me I got fired for that game? It wasn't even my fault. My striker couldn't put one home from the six yard box. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm trying to remember. Like, what were the good championship celebrations of those video games? They got bad somewhere along the way they just there they was, just they just made it like a generic thing sure it used to say congratulations there was an nba game where you went to the white house yeah that that was a madden game where you did that too maybe okay. like madden 07 like in that territory there were some parades sometimes you would go down a street and you'd see a bunch of cars and your players would be there yep that in would, nhl that would you used to be able to skate with the cup that was kind of cool yeah that's yeah, a good one and that. then at the end like it would put up like the big picture of your team, and yep. you could like screenshot the the image. Yep. I have I have a my background image on my Xbox is a Sabres team winning the cup. I don't even know who's on the team. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding now there's a there's a twenty no a, yeah twenty eight minute YouTube video that is the evolution of Super Bowl celebrations in Madden over the years, 2003 to 2023. Really, they have they every Super Bowl celebration. No, yeah, they were they were they were like it would last ten seconds. There was nothing. Just fireworks, basically. Yeah. Hey, look, there's fireworks in the sky, and then a, a quick word message says, congratulations, and then you're on to the draft. You always remember that one or two games where the biggest c- celebration you got was literally the word congratulations on the screen. <laughs> I feel like Joe Montana football, way back when for Sega, I beat it and won a title. It was just like, good job. Yeah. Thanks. I don't know what I expected. Yeah. A, a ring. Now, now these machines should 3D print you a ring that you could just wear. What's that? Oh, it's my uh, Bills Madden championship you ring. Get, you get one sent. Yeah, get it sent, sent in the mail. Sent in the mail. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, good morning, Jeremy and Joe. I'm gonna have to watch that video of the 23 different Madden championship celebrations. Oh, of my course. guess is I'm at Madden they were. 10 and were, there's Brady on the podium. Ugh. They were probably really bad, and then they got better, and then they realized we don't have to do this and put any manpower, yep. any sort of thought into the, the trophy celebrations. Cut costs. Here we got, I got Lovey Smith having uh, some fake Gatorade dumped on top of him. All right. So we got the Gatorade in Madden 11, eventually, that got added to the game. <laughs> there's the confetti everywhere. I think you're right. Like There's going to be one of these. Ne- Jay Cutler is celebrating running around. Um Oh, we got the newspaper that says champs on it that a player is holding up. Good. Goodell's on the podium. Yeah. And now here we go. Now think, I'm starting to get to the games where like they cut it back, I think. Did Goodell get paid for his likeness there? Here's sure here's he three mil. Sure he Kamish, did. we're gonna, we're gonna throw you in the game. These guys get these guys get a little check for everything, don't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, good morning. Eight oh three oh five fifty is our phone number if you want to chime in on I don't know, this or anything really. Um 
I've got a bunch of stuff I want to catch up on. Yesterday was so Super Bowl heavy that we missed a bunch of different things. There's some Sabre stuff to get to that we should with the with the trade deadline and where they are. We'll talk to Don Granado today coming up at 8. We'll talk to Paul Hamilton at 9. I do have something, though. I'm I'm still stuck on the overtime debate, if there's a debate. Yeah. On on the NFL on the Super Bowl overtime format. And maybe that's because I heard you know, I listened to the station all day, heard a lot of good calls, a lot of good opinions, and there's this one promo running, which is the first and pod podcast, Andrew Filipponi and mm-hmm. Danny somebody who's in Kansas City. And they're yelling at each other about the overtime format, and Andrew says, No matter what, you always take the ball second. And I heard him yell that thirty times during commercial breaks over the mm-hmm. last twenty four hours. And I was, I just kept thinking about this overtime format, and I wondered if the thing that doesn't convince you the most, and this actually lines up perfectly. So you and I talked about it yesterday, how it's very difficult without 10,000 trials to know what everyone's going to do mm-hmm. and know how it plays out. Seth Walder, ESPN Analytics, again, right? He, he, he started polling analytics staffers in the NFL, mm-hmm. asking them what they would do. And he even went so far as to point out that in Madden, where do you where can you get 10,000 trials of this? The answer is Madden the video game. Yeah, you can do it. This was always true. This is part of the revolution of football is the video games revolutionized how fourth downs are are worked and yeah. everything. All of it's a game simulation. Yep. Yeah. Do you know you're, that you're controlling. So while the overtime format in the playoffs has been this for a couple maybe since the Allen and Mahomes yeah. since 13 seconds. That was the last. Well, the 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 next week was the final playoff game in, under the old rules. Yes, I think, they changed right? it and they brought it to this, and this is the first one we really saw this one in action. Yeah, yeah. So the NFL has one trial. Madden, if you play against Madden online against other 12-year-olds, mm-hmm. 12, 12 30-year-olds, 50-year-olds, whatever, they've got two full years of trials. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the Madden players do? What? They kick. They no, kick no, for- no, I'm sorry. They take the ball. They take the ball first? They take the ball. They take the ball. I think I know why. And you know what else they do? Huh. They go for two. I was going to say. But they, the, they but, take it because they go for two first. Right. And if they they right. So the uh, it's yeah. it's it's a great example of how what you need is ten million trials to find out how it will organically happen. So yep. what happened? Oh, I'll take the ball second. Oh, once the team that goes second starts going for two, guess what happens? The team that goes first goes for two. Oh, I'll take the ball first, and I'll go for two. That mm-hmm. way, if we both match with eights, now I have the ball in sudden death. Mm-hmm. So Madden plays out the game theory in 10,000 simulations, and in Madden, you take the ball first. If I were playing Madden, I would take the ball first. I don't trust coaches, though, to act that way. Right. That's that's the very big... Like, I trust a Madden player to play that way, where they're going to drive down, they're going to score, and they're going to go for two immediately, because now... The team that got it first, they have a massive advantage because they are playing for, I'm getting that third possession at worst with a field goal to win it. And Madden, you're probably getting into field goal range depending on the quality of opponent that you have. Yeah. So I'm winning that most times if I get the ball first. But how many coaches are thinking like that? How many coaches can you trust when they get the ball first? I'm going to go get eight because that's the only way... That's the only way I think you gain an advantage by going first, mm, right? No, I don't think that's right, but it's part of it. Because one thing that has also happened in this conversation about that overtime format is that the assuming of two touchdowns, 
let's just let's just say that mm-hmm. you match your opponent. Joe, if it goes punt, punt, who has the advantage? The team that kicked. The team has, that got the ball first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The team that got the ball first. If it goes field goal, field goal. The team that got the ball first. Interception, interception. Team that got the ball fumble, first. Fumble, fumble. Turnover on downs, turnover on downs. Mm-hmm. The only scenario where the team that gets the ball second can take that advantage back is if it's touchdowns. If you match in any other format. Well, or if it's a field goal first. Because field they, goal, but any it's matching field goal, field goal. Team has the ball first. If it's field goal, and then you get a touchdown. Second, it, under if, if I'm going second, I'm never kicking a field goal unless you it's say, like super extreme. You like say fourth never. And Fifteen, fourth and eleven from the twelve. What are you doing? I'm going for that. I don't think you are. That's I think four, that's the that's the Bills fourth and nine situation at the end. I where know. And I'm giving. I'm never. I know. How likely am I to lose the game if I if I give them if I kick a field goal there I feel like I'm signing my death sentence you, you, or certificate you might be but a lot and, and I don't disagree with that but but a coach you, is never doing that if you look Sean at McDermott's never going for around fourth and eleven whether it's Ben Baldwin yesterday I saw Kevin Cole on this what happens when would you kick a field goal and his answer was you know once you get to fourth and nine you start thinking about kicking a field goal and trying to make a play on defense it's not ideal it's not what you want right but if you have fourth and eleven. It becomes, what's my best chance? Picking up 11 mm-hmm. or kicking the ball back to them and getting a stop. Now, if it's gone, if you just held them to a field goal on the previous drive, right? the guy could miss a kick, you could pin them deep. There could be a lot of different things. So I just found it a good conversation yesterday, and here we are Tuesday, and I want to give the NFL credit because it's a perfect format. Is yes. anyone, is anyone today, and I used to lead this charge, Saying it is unfair. No. Not one person no. has been say- has said it's unfair. The previous format was unfair. Yep. Oh, just play defense. Oh, okay. Why doesn't that guy have to play defense? Unfair. Right. It was an unfair format when it was sudden death for a field goal. It was unfair when it was sudden death with a touchdown. Now, I get a fully fair format. You don't want it because... It's not like you play the first mini game where you swap possessions and then you flip a coin. The team that goes second knows, hey, if we don't take the lead and win it here, we leave it up for them. And yeah. to me, that's fair. That's what you should always have wanted. When we were talking about all the ways to change the overtime format, one of the ideas that I liked that they could have done was road team gets the ball first, period. Mm-hmm. If you remove the coin toss, everything else is fair. The coin toss is what introduced this randomness to who gets the ball. It's why the Patriots won that 28-3 comeback. It's why the Bills lost to the the Chiefs in 13 seconds. It's why the Chiefs lost to the Patriots. These, these games were coin tosses. Peyton Manning had a season end on a coin toss. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Plenty of the NFL community said, play defense, man. Right. Even though it was unfair. Right. Because you didn't ask it of both teams. Now, this format... It's fair. You know what you're getting into. If you give up and you don't go for two or you don't play for the touchdown to win, you know what your fate will be and what you'll have to deal with if you don't do that. Yeah. And I think it's a perfect format. I think they've nailed it, which is great. The format's not going to any criticism now. It's just going to be the coaches. Which is perfect. <laughs> Every the, coach that loses is going to be, you idiot, why did you do that? Exactly. No it's, matter what he decides. It, it's, that's perfect because yeah. I want to remove – the randomness introduced by a heads or a tails, and I want to put all of it on the coaches. 
Yes. Because it becomes a game of chess between the coaches Mm -hmm. in terms of how you decide on the toss, how you go for it on fourth down. Like, if you want to set the pace a certain way, if you are going to be conservative about it, yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty perfect. And I also would not have remembered this one being, like, top of mind when everyone's trying to figure out the best overtime rules to replace the old way with. Like, this would have just been right there. Like, easy, like, you could just do this and it's going to fix everything. Like, man, I was... I was coming up with ideas where both teams' offenses are on the field at the same time, and whoever scores first wins. <laughs> like, we've got two different games going on at different ends of the field. Like, that's how far into it I was getting, and this was just right here. This yep. perfect. It's the only— Until... is, Isn't it the only format that, it, that has one regular session and one sudden death? You could make the comparison to college football. College football never goes to sudden death. Yeah, the N- what's, what's the NHL? You don't play a full period and then go sudden death. It's instant sudden death. Right. In baseball, you play innings. You never go to sudden death. Soccer. Soccer. Sometimes there's golden goal sudden death. Other yeah. times there's full they go the full. They go full. Yeah, they go full minutes. half, and then they go penalty kicks. But even right. that is never sudden death. You, you right. always get the chance to match. Right. The yeah. NFL had been the only league that went just to sudden death where only one team could possess the ball. Yeah. And people would sometimes call and say, well, if you want to face off in the NHL, you no, that's not realistic. The <laughs> NFL was the only team, the only league, where they had sudden death it, for it, possession. It'd be like the NBA overtime where, like, okay, pe- the Pelicans and Grizzlies, and the Pelicans get the ball first, so they score games over. Right. It would have been like that's if it. in baseball they flipped the coin and said, we're not going to have a bottom of the 10th. We're just having a <laughs> – you score on the top, it's over. Yes. The NFL had signed off on that for 50 years. It's pretty incredible. It really is. There were Super Bowls decided on that rule. Yes. It's nuts. Yeah. And they fixed it. And I think we've got something pretty good. There was... How long had the playoff overtime rule been decided with a t- with the rule where it would be a touchdown... Or, excuse me, if you go field goal first and the other team gets the ball? Has it been like 10 years since they changed that? Because there would have been a time where field goal to start playoff overtime and the game is over, yep. right? Yeah, absolutely. It would have been take a touchback, go 40 yards and kick. So I got Patrick Mahomes making a stupid little snide comment the other day about how, like, oh, I got, we won, so I guess they're going to change the overtime rules again. He said that, which is, by the way, ridiculous because I, they, they lost a game like that in New England in the 18 AFC Championship game, so it's not like they always win it anyway. And, buddy, there's a time in this league where... That game plays out the exact same way. Niners win the toss. And you lose. They receive, they kick a field goal, and you've lost the football game. So you benefited by the current rules changing. Again. Yeah, he made that comment. I did not know he said that. Yeah, let me find the exact quote. And now I hate his guts. (laughs) You hate him and his stupid little MVP trophy's guts. You see that trophy, by the way? The lamest trophy I've ever seen in my life, which I guess is fine because Mahomes won it. I can't believe he said that. Yeah. We won, so they're going to change the rule. Oh, let me find this exact quote. It's good. Yeah, Mahomes said, here we go, Mahomes on ESPN on the new playoff overtime rules. We changed the rules, so I wonder how they're going to change them this time. Adds that they would have kicked. Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) 803-0550. We get some calls in early if you want. Mark and Chikawaga. Hey, Mark, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. I, I'm going to make it quick. Um, first of all, I think um, we should just go by the college rules. I think that's the fairest way to go. Um, secondly, I think if, if um, in, in, in overtime in the, in the playoffs, I would always take the ball second because if you can stop 
the team from, you know, have, forcing them to punt, then you know exactly what you need to do. You just need to get that field goal. But if you get the ball first, you're like, well, it's, if you're in a situation, fourth and two, should I go for it? Should I kick the field goal? Because you don't know what the other team is going to do. So it puts you in a bind. But if you, I would be like, you guys kick, rely on your defense. If they, if they score a touchdown, you know you need to touch them to kick a field goal. You know, touchdowns, you know exactly what you need. But if you can stop them, all you need is that field goal, it's all over. So I wanted to say I'll listen to you, boys. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, that's why it's perfect to me. Because both sides decide which advantage you want. Which advantage do you want? Do you want the opportunity to know what you need? Or, well, here's a good example. Bill's Chiefs, 13 seconds game. Let's say these rules are in place. These two teams have been going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and no one can be stopped. Mm-hmm. Do you want the ball first or second? I that situation, uh-huh. I think I want the ball if second. No one, well, I, can, I can play my gut a little bit here, right? Like under this rule. So, like, if no, how's the game going? No one. Let, let's do do the thirteen seconds game where neither side has been stopped mm-hmm. on any level for like an hour and a half. Okay, wait, no, never mind. I, I'm forgetting that if I get the ball first, I want to go for two. But you might because who am I? Am I the coach or is Sean McDermott the coach? You're the coach. Okay, if I'm the coach, I want the ball first because you're going to score a touchdown. If I'm watching the game, I think I want the Bills to take it second because I don't know how much I would trust McDermott to go for two on the first possession because now now I've got I've got the Chiefs with eight to win it and now my defense has got to make a play. I don't want that. Right. I don't want that. But if I'm the coach, I'm, I'm taking the ball. And I'm going to go get eight. Because imagine the format exists and we watch the ultimate duel. And this this is ridiculous, so I apologize in advance. Imagine it's a 13 seconds game. The Bills take the ball for No, sorry. The Chiefs get the ball because the Bills win it and say, we'll defer. We'll, yeah. we'll take the ball second. Chiefs go, touchdown, and they go for two and they get it. Allen comes back down, mm-hmm. touchdown, they go for two and they get it. And then the Chiefs go down and kick a field goal and win. We're furious. Yeah, you're right. Furious. Are we just waiting? Are we just saying now that this is the fairest rule possible and we're just waiting for a game like that to happen and then everybody the next day is going to go, they got to change the rule again? That whole format or that whole scenario is unlikely, right? That You're going to get to overtime and both teams are going to go touchdown two, touchdown two. It's, it's pr- pretty rare, I bet. But yeah. what we had in the Super Bowl this past week that was very different from the 13 seconds game is 13 seconds – Everybody moved all over the place, and it was what forty-two to thirty-six. Yeah, this game on Sunday was twenty was nineteen to nineteen, right? Different game, so it's fun. I, I I think it's perfect. I think the format is great, and I'm very happy about it. To never complain about it again. Now we'll just you know argue with each other about what the right thing to oh, do is. And I'm just waiting to bury the first clown coach that decides down seven to kick an extra point and then to lose. tie it at seven to give the the other team the ball back with a field goal to win it. Yep. Yeah. Someone will do that. We'll see. I think someone will do that. Sheila writes in kick, and you know whether you need a touchdown or a field goal. I mean that is the advantage of kicking. I do think that everyone. That is, is just saying go second. Oh, you got to go second. You sound to me like the take the points crowd. I don't need to hear anything else. You take the points. You take the you take it second again. Though, like I almost want to treat this like who who am I? I kind of like the idea of going second because I don't trust the NFL coaching community in general to like. You can decide if you go first. There, there's. I heard Dan Orlovsky say this yesterday. If you go second, you have the advantage because you have an extra down. Right. Well, you, you only have the extra down because you're, of the choice that is made by the team going first. The team right. going first can have the extra down they if they want certainly it. Certainly can. Dan Campbell would take that extra right. down. But 
I think most coaches would not think of it that way. They Maybe. would not treat it like they have an extra down. They would get pushed into it if they go second. And I might need most coaches in the league, maybe not all. Dan Campbell's probably not one of them. I think if you're going first, I think mo- a lot of coaches in the need, they need that little push. shove. They need that little push over yeah, the edge I, to, to say, I have an extra you, You've said this, and it's, I, I don't disagree. You're playing Mike Tomlin like, oh, give that guy the ball first. He's going to punt. Yeah. If he, get the ball, if he go- gets the ball yes. second, you're, he's going to take the extra. He's going to use like fourth Fourth out. and three from his own 35. Oh, geez, fourth and three from his own four, he's 49, that. he's going to kick that. Right. Even in overtime. Yeah. It's a nice format. It's a really nice format. All right, 803-0550 on the Chiefs and their win. Saw Travis Kelsey partying in Vegas. Saw the videos of that. That's oh, pretty cool. yeah, good for him. It's fine. The uh, yeah. Andy Reid-Kelsey incident has been completely smoothed over. Oh, mm-hmm. it's just how these guys work. That's good stuff. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're on to, uh, we're on to the offseason. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Give us a call on this if you like it. To me, it's uh, it's perfect, and I'm I'm happy to debate the merits of what you should do, but they've they've taken away the unfair nature of a coin toss, and it's a it's a big win for the NFL. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Jeremy and Joe with you here on a Tuesday morning on WGR. You know what? I didn't even realize that the playoff rules were different in overtime. So I have, I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win. But I guess that's not the case. So I don't really, I don't totally know the strategy there. Kyle Juszczyk, fullback. Does your fullback need to know the format? I was trying to think whether that would matter or not. I mean, if when a he's player, that fullback, if a player, when he's that fullback, well, he's good. Like, but the, the the biggest problem with it is it might be embarrassing had they scored a touchdown if he like started throwing his helmet off. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if a guy thought touchdown wins it and goes like all out, like would would they act any differently? Would they no. put the ball at risk because they're extending for the goal line because they know that? I don't know. I don't think so. Speaking of rules, they're going to change that one's. Coming this offseason. Your quarterback might need to know. He knows. Quarterback knew. Okay, that's fine. I mean, for sure. Because if your quarterback doesn't know and it's third and long and he thinks we've got to score a touchdown or we're going to lose this football game, then I mean, like he's putting the ball maybe in harm's way because he thinks, well, there's there's no downside here. The downside is we lose when that's not true. Yeah, I mean, we've got cases of this in the, in history where you know the pride of Syracuse University, Donovan McNabb, didn't know that games could end in a tie. Yeah, that happened. Which was the same coach. It was. No, well, no it's, sorry. It's, it's Andy Reid. It's Andy Reid on the other side. Yeah. Which is maybe why did the Chiefs practice that so much, because Reid knew <laughs> once that his quarterback didn't know the rules. Yeah. 803 550 All right, I've got a stat of the day for you. Stat of the day brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest, biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. And this, uh, I, I regret to inform you, Joe, this stat of the day made me think about 13 seconds. Oh, great. Yeah, you know, we want to know why? Why? Here's why. So, stat of the day. Once Dre Greenlaw went out with an injury, right? He was running on the field and got hurt. Oren Burks went in for him. He was targeted nine times and allowed nine catches, including a touchdown and a 134 passer rating when targeted. Hmm, yeah? Yeah. Why did it make me think of 13 seconds? Because in the playoffs, sometimes you get lucky you get an injury, and then you work that injury like you're a WWE wrestler hammering the guy's knee. And the Chiefs did that to the Niners, who had lost Dre Greenlaw. And the Bills did that when 
what, Tyron Matthew went out early in 13 seconds, and yeah. they threw at that safety all day, and Gabe Davis absolutely smoked the Chiefs, and they lost anyway. Yeah. It makes me think of this playoffs and how lucky at that position specifically the Chiefs the Chiefs got because let's start at the beginning with the wild card round Dolphins, the Dolphins had no didn't linebackers. have Jerome Baker yep. I forget or David Long they're two starting linebackers and they didn't have two defensive ends the Bills didn't have their two starting linebackers Terrell Bernard or Matt Milano if you want to go all the way back and then I guess the Ravens had theirs yep and then the Niners lost theirs okay so let's say two starting linebackers per team that's eight starting linebackers for the playoffs, the Chiefs saw three of them. It's amazing. It's good to be lucky. They also recovered, what, five out of six fumbles? Yeah, it happens. They got a block punt. 803-0550. Blocked uh, extra point. Blocked extra point. Yeah. Jake Moody. Yeah. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. It's Tuesday, and uh, you know we're getting back to some wintry weather soon. Uh, the high today is 38. Through the next few days, we dip back into the low 30s for the high. Nothing crazy. Not about to declare winter over, but I mean, kinda. I mean, the ticket on my car this morning says the winter's not over. Oh, you got a ticket for overnight parking? Uh-huh. Plows route, huh? Got to get those plows through on nights like last night. The, yeah, just the worst. <laughs> Tim in Buffalo. Hey, Tim. Good morning. Hello, Tim. Good morning, guys. Morning. You hear me? Yeah, yeah you're go good. Ahead, man. Oh, sorry, guys. Uh, so I, it's funny because. What you just brought up is kind of where I'm going with my point this morning. So uh, as I was thinking and reflecting over this past uh, playoff here in the Super Bowl, really if you think about it, Buffalo is the only team to put 20-plus points in regulation against Casey's defense. And to be honest with you, if it wasn't, you know, if his arm wasn't bumped into it the last play of the game there or a third down play, um, we probably would have scored a touchdown. I mean, I think Allen completes that pass if he's not bumped into it, it's not falling short, which would have put us, you know, close to 30 so it makes me think, although I am on my receiver train like everybody else, however, it really seems like if you really look at it, it's been the defense that's let down Buffalo, not the offense with the exception of, you know, the whole team kind of floundering in the Cincinnati game in last year's playoffs, which I think, you know, you know had something to do with the team being in, in the wrong kind of mindset. So with that being said, you know, is it smart that we spent a lot of draft capital on offense? Knowing that, I mean, getting the one big play receiver, I think is what we need. You know, the guy that replaced Diggs, anyways. But in terms of defense, I, I really think we need to get our defense to a point where it's at that level. Because if we could hold them defensively, I think we win the game pretty convincingly um, when we played them this uh, this past playoff period. So I just want to get your guys' thoughts on. Yeah, that. thanks, Tim. I, I thought about this yesterday because what the Bills and the Chiefs have done is not very different. Right, The Chiefs are guilty of relying too much on Mahomes and thinking he can just cover all their problems on offense and investing mm-hmm. in getting and rebuilding their defense. And the Bills have done that too. They got a little longer in the tooth with Hyde and Poyer, but look what the Bills did for the draft. How many defensive ends? Yep. Multiple defensive ends. They've drafted a ton on that side of the football. They draft Elam and Bentford. They draft two linebackers in the third round. I mean, they went Rousseau, and then they went Basham back-to-back. And, and that was then, after Epinesa was yeah. the first pick of so the So the Bills have, have done a yeah. lot of investing on their defense, and the offense suffered as a result. The difference between the Bills and the Chiefs in this department, I guess, is 
oh, you want to say offensive play caller, okay. But I guess where it really comes down to, Joe, is the Bills went and spent huge on Vaughn, and the Chiefs didn't make that move. No. They're going to make that well, move they, when they, they need to. No, but they're going to make it when they re-sign Chris Jones. Right. But they didn't go out and get a big swing free agent on their defense. I mean, what, Frank Clark came in and out a bunch of times there. He went to Denver, then came back. I'm trying to keep up with him. But the idea that, oh, oh, clearly the answer is pour your assets into the defense. The Bills have been doing that for a long time and maybe not getting the same returns. Isn't part of the point, though, that the Bills have not drafted a Chris Jones? Like, they needed to go sign a Vaughn because they didn't have a Vaughn. Because, they, because Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Ed Oliver, A.J. Epinesa, Trent Murphy, Mario, Oliver. Mario Addison, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. Too. Like, none of these guys were Chris Jones. Well, if Chris you, Jones, who, by the way, made two plays to win them the Super Bowl because yes. he's the guy that gets into Allen's space that prevents him from throwing the touchdown to Shakir. He's also the guy that got to Brock Purdy on Sunday when Purdy had Debo open in the end zone. Technically, he was unblocked. <laughs> was that oh no, no, sorry. Block? That was a different. There were multiple unblocked. plays in that game. One of those was where Chris Jones was unblocked. The one, the one where Debo was open and Purdy got hit and overthrew him. I think that one Jones beat a guy. Yeah, probably he beats lots of guys. Okay, well, I guess there, part of that question would be: Is it fair to criticize the Bills for not drafting a Chris Jones, a top ten player in the NFL? I mean, he was a second round pick. Like, in the, but they've taken uh, like eight swings at it. Not eight swings, but they've taken a lot of swings at it. That's right. right. And they got Ed Oliver, who's pretty good. He's pretty good. And they but got... they still felt like they needed to pay Von Miller $100 million. Yep. They got to that place. The Chiefs have never felt like they needed to get to that place. And I guess it's just because they have Chris Jones. And now they're going to do it with Chris Jones, probably. But the big takeaway is the, the two trajectories are not that different. No, the, I know. The, right, The Chiefs' yeah. offense this year is like, wow, it doesn't look right. Something's wrong here. And what's the Bills? It doesn't look right. Something's wrong here. They fired their coordinator. Both these teams... This this was the first offseason, this this past one, where the Bills went heavy on offense, and they drafted a tight end and a guard, and mm-hmm. they added um, more depth. Just in, in general, they 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 got a, they invested their biggest assets in their offense. Their 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 this their draft this year went tight end, lineman, offensive lineman, linebacker, wide receiver, offensive lineman. Yeah. Like that was their, their whole draft except for Dorian Williams was offense. And this year's draft, would anybody be really upset if it went like this? Wide receiver, defensive tackle corner wide receiver linebacker corner safety safety like they need well they need at least one asset at the receiver position yeah maybe two probably two and the rest of the draft can go defense yeah. the offense is is pretty buttoned up other than the receiver your position. line is satisfactory your yeah. quarterback is good you're no longer going to chase running back anymore and you definitely you would don't never tight end. you would never consider tight end you you are behind on receiver listen if they had taken a receiver last year we could definitely be talking about the first round pick should be a defensive tackle or a defensive end or try to get some sort of some sort of guy with a high ceiling in the take a safety twenty eight. The 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 wide receiver train, a big part of it is they are so far behind at the position that they don't have a choice. So the rest of the draft can definitely be about the defense, but yeah. there is it, it is a non negotiable scenario at receiver, and that is because they have neglected it for so long well and tim kind of mentions like well wasn't it their defense that let them down again and yes they, it did but they had their back of linebackers in don't most bills fans feel like if they have their number one linebackers they win that football game next year they're going to run it back they're going to have matt milano and Troy bernard they can get hurt again but they're going to ha- those are two holes there's two spots on the field that the bills got exposed and they got that's where they got picked apart 
right? That's where they, I mean, their defensive line did not play well either. But the spot they got exposed the most in the playoff game that cost them was linebacker. And they're not going to touch linebacker. They were just hurt. Yeah. You're not drafting that. Maybe they want to draft a backup Mike Mike linebacker in the fourth round because they don't want to end up at A.J. Klein again. But they're not doing anything of importance at the position where they got picked apart the most. See, but we, they do need defensive linemen. It's going to be only receiver, defensive line, safety. That's the big three. I wonder if they just go cheap at safety. They just bring back Taylor Rapp and Cam Lewis. Maybe not. And whatever, find the next Jordan Poyer. Maybe, right. That, that, he, was, be, he was cheap at the time. Absolutely. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Uh Justin in a cell quickly before the break. Sorry, sorry, Josh told me to go to break, but I already went to Justin. Justin, go fast. Hey boys, what's going on? Hey, I just want to talk about overtime and uh getting the ball first. I think if you take the ball first, the the only positive thing that could come out of that drive is scoring a touchdown. So that's so that's the only positive thing that you could ever get out of that drive. Now the bad things about that drive is you could get a turnover. You could get a defensive score. You might want to punt. Um, so I think just if you add up the goods and the bads, the only good that could come out of that drive is a touchdown. But there's a lot of bad that could come out of that drive. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the difference. And I would even say this: like we haven't gotten too far into this. Let's talk about the Bills. What what's one of the things that people say? And you want to say it's fair or not? That how Josh sometimes will shoot for too much. Right, mm-hmm. needs to take what's there. Joe, would you have any feel about? I want to go first because I want Josh to be on schedule and be sm- and not feel like he's chasing a touchdown. Team two, do they have more information? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it also possible they are chasing a touchdown instead of just playing their game? Yeah. The Niners. Let's talk about what the Niners' drive was. It was a methodical down the field they got a holding penalty that helped but you know boom 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 down the field and then they got stalled out which is where you know it stinks to kick the field goal but let's not act like going second you have more information sometimes that information puts more pressure on you boy if we don't get a touchdown the game ends if we don't pick up this first down the game ends this is like if the Niners hadn't missed the extra point and then the Chiefs would have been playing that last drive for a touchdown instead instead of of a field field goal. goal yeah and maybe the game never gets to overtime in the first place. Right. Because they, they kicked the field goal. They also kicked the field goal, by the way, with six seconds left. I was wondering if they would try one more play. I mean, Me you too. can't. It was like, what, a seven yard play? They were, though, they were at the nine yard line. Um, and they decided we're just not going to go for it at all. But right, either way, if the Niners are up one there, or up four, I should say, you're at the 11 yard line with 10 seconds to go, first and 10. You can run, you're going to run more than one play like they did. I like it. I think it's all fair. It's all inbounds, and it's all whatever. It's all representative of a good format that we're still talking about two days later. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty to join us, Jeremy and Joe. The Sabers are home tonight. We're gonna guess a hot dog, a Los Angeles based hot dog. Mm, okay, L A. The In and Out dog might be like copyright infringement there. Yeah. Anyway, Can you go with like a Hollywood vibe. Maybe we can think of something. Eight oh three oh five fifty. You can join us, Don Granado, today, eight o'clock this morning on WGR. Be caller five right now to win a pair of tickets to see Tower of Power on Saturday, March second at OLG Stage at Fallsview Casino, eight p.m. 
plus a $100 dining voucher for Overtime Sports Lounge. Must be 19 years of age or older to win. For tickets, visit FallsViewCasinoResort.com. 8030550, Jeremy and Joe. Happy Tuesday. Anyone have a uh, worst take from the Super Bowl, like the worst takeaway? Yesterday is, you know, it's a day of takes. You hear anyone that was particularly bad? Kyle Shanahan can't win the big one was uh, out there a little bit. Can I give you my favorite? ESPN's homepage, front page at one point, said uh, Taylor Swift winning the Super Bowl and other media options. Travis Kelsey is the GOAT multitasker. The GOAT multitasker? Yes. He's, the ba- he's the greatest of all Wait, time at multitasking. Because he's done what? Because he's, 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 he's doing things. Because he's dating Taylor Swift, has a podcast, and won the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey is the GOAT multitasker. Do these media companies think that these players don't have, like, he's the first NFL player to have a relationship? And a podcast. And a podcast, right. Micah Parsons does a podcast. He does. Lots of people do podcasts. Actually, most. Most people. people. I feel like most people do podcasts now. That's how it seems. Yeah. No shade. I mean, I like podcasts. It's great. I mean, well, listen to a lot of good ones. I think my least favorite take was uh, someone, the headline somewhere was Mahomes' legacy cemented. Okay. Cemented means complete. It's not complete. His career's not over. It's the same thing as like a, a, a mortalized. Like, we're not, he's not done. Yeah. I hope he's done, but he's not done. I have odds on next year's halftime performer. Okay. Yes, Bovada sent, sent us one of these, an email. Halftime performer next year. There are five acts listed. By the way, on this, uh, someone corrected me. CeeLo Green was not the performer on uh, on stage. That Everybody, by the way, made the same mistake. Everyone thought it was CeeLo Green, and in fact it was... Drew Hill? No, I'm trying to remember. Dupree. Jermaine Dupree. Jermaine Dupree, Dupree. thank you. Yeah. Why did I say Drew Hill? Did somebody say, tell me it was Drew Hill? Is Drew Hill even alive? Anyway, um... All right, so next year's, so next year's odds. halftime. You want to throw a guess out there? As there are five names, so Taylor Swift's going to be listed, right? But correct. I, but like, is that going to be one of those like long shot She's odds? Second highest odds. I would still say there's like no chance. I don't of that. think there's any chance either. No. So I would not want to bet that. Um, I don't even have a way of starting this. It right. would be. I mean, their their recent vibe is going pop. Pop, but R&B they want to go back a little bit. Yes. So, like, I don't know. The Backstreet Boys. <laughs> no. Here are the five names from Bovada on next year's Halftime Performer. And there's one name on here that I think, there's two names that I think are really good, potentially, in terms of likelihood. The favorite, according to this, is Lil Wayne. I, don't, okay. I do not think so. No, Then Taylor so Swift. Either. Drake is plus 450. Don't think so. I don't think so. That's happening either. Here's one for you. Bieber. Bieber. Bieber was all over the NHL awards. Yep. He designed the, he designed the uh, jerseys. Yep. Bieber plus NHL. 700. And this is one I like a lot as I just like the value on this bet. Plus 2200 Miley Cyrus. Ooh, that's more likely to me. That's that's that seems and th- I thought people thought that was going to happen this year. Yeah. There were rumors that she was like being asked about it for this year. So I think those two are pretty good, though. Bieber yeah. and, and Cyrus over the others. Lil Wayne's not doing that. The what Super- about Post Malone? I, I don't think Post Malone doesn't need it. 
I don't think I, I don't think he's big enough. He's pretty big. I just don't think he's big enough. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, you don't think he's big enough? I, I don't. It is Super Bowl, although you know. I think you never know. This is why he, he probably he probably is. It's just you have to you have to have such appeal as the Super Bowl performer. Isn't this why though they go back like they want someone that's had brand recognition for like a long period of time so they can the more people that know who this is the better. Post yes. Malone still that's why they did fairly recent Dr. Dre and Snoop and they did that whole run. Yeah, the, the, Rihanna. I mean, she hadn't done a show in years, but like she's been around for like over a decade. Yeah, you want someone that people can. Although, feel feel good about because they they liked a long time ago. How different is Post Malone though than the weekend? Because the weekend did one. That's recently. that's that's fair. That's fair. But the weekend was kind of the only one like that. Because otherwise, you mentioned the Dr. Dre one. Mm. Um, Shakira and Jennifer Lopez did the one before that. Maroon Five, Justin Timberlake. Like okay, the weekend is like the only one that's like, hey, you've gotten famous in the last like. I mean, how long has he been famous? So it feels quick, like five years. Quick on this, Dom Brown tweeting and thanks, Dom. Lil Wayne's the favorite because he said personally. That's the plan, and it's his hometown. So he might be angling for it more it's than anything. It's his plan? Yeah. Hmm. And some some want to play the Super Bowl. Some don't. I don't know that he's big enough. Who was No, it? he's pretty big. Someone recently talked about how, how it's so difficult to nail the Super Bowl because what are you going to do? You're going to play nine songs yeah. and about 40 seconds each. You're, yeah. you're basically playing a medley. Do I have enough songs to put together a medley to yeah. bring everybody out and also get energy and get choreography. Like Usher, the thing about the halftime show that I'll remember from that halftime show is the roller skating. Yes. I, the, the roller skating. They come out on skates. Roller skating, I bet, had a pretty good day yesterday as a business model. <laughs> he changed the best in day. less than a minute. That was like, the best he day had in a 30 minute years. to do all that. Yeah. Run down, change, and come back on roller skates. He, somebody, well, Usher wasn't on roller skates, was he? Yes, he, yeah, was. he was. Usher was on roller skates. Yes. I missed that. I Let's talk about how long it takes him. to put on roller skates and how fast that happened. Were they Velcro? They had to be Velcro. They had or to like be. the straps, the, like the, the buckles. That they you, they, they had there. to be like the self-tying shoes from Back to the Future 2. So yeah. That's a very deep reference there. Or maybe he had the shoes on the whole time. Like, he had the, the boot of the roller skate the whole time, and then someone just slapped the wheels like, on the bottom Like of snowboarding boots, kind yeah, of? They're yeah, like Heelys. Much. You guys oh, remember Heelys? I remember Heelys. Yes, yes, I do. A version of that. Yes, yes I think I that's do. what maybe was going on there. He, though, did he play all his own songs? Like, he's, well, he's at least featured. And so, like, the Usher? Alicia Keys, yeah. um, if, I ain't got, if I Ain't Got You. That's not his song, but he's featured in it, I think, originally anyway. So... He kind of got help there, right? Same yeah. with Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre played like th- two of his three or his that, own songs. That's, that's one of the ways to get around. Yeah. Do I have nine songs? Is bring on your buddies and your special yeah. guests and yeah. songs you've been featured and, in. And make it more of a, a collaboration. Now I guess that's making me want to think Lil Wayne's more possible. Just, like Bieber's got nine songs that I think he could do it with. Bieber's also got friends. He does. There was a report that Usher asked Bieber to be a part of this year, and whatever. There you go. There's your odds on halftime shows. 803-0550-1888-550-2550. When we get back, does the wide receiver train need a caboose? Maybe, maybe we'll throw on a little, little companion car. I think we might all have to kind of sign up for it. The question is, how much do we want to talk about it? Does the wide receiver train need a caboose? 803-0550 to join us. The takeaways from the Super Bowl, still digging through those as we get to uh, Mission New Orleans for the next one. Jeremy and Joe here on WGR.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We know that Pittsburgh's going to go out and get some type of quarterback, whether that's Ryan Tannehill, whether that's Russell Wilson, whether that's Justin Fields. Mike Tomlin's a big fan of Justin Fields. We'll keep that in mind during the offseason in the coming weeks. Adam Schefter, one of the Bears do with Justin Fields. We are going to get to quarterback carousel season. The Bills, of course, will not be in that. But Russell I, Wilson, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. I guess I wasn't assuming the Steelers would just be in that. But I thought they might just run it back with Pickett and Rudolph, and they'll compete at training camp, and that's yeah. it. Good. Falcons are in for this, right? Somebody. Falcons are in. Raiders are in on somebody. Yep. The Broncos will need a guy. Yeah. Yeah. How many teams do you not know the starting quarterback for right now? Is it like four, five? Minnesota. New England. I mean, New, New England's probably going to draft one. It'll just be the rookie that they end up picking. Mm-hmm. But the, right, the Vikings, we don't know. We don't know the Falcons. We don't know the Broncos. We don't know the Raiders. Patriots. I guess Steelers. Chicago, we don't know either, but it's only between two guys. It's going to be Fields or Williams, I assume. Unless they trade down to two and take Drake May. Yeah. Oh, right, because wa- there's reports Washington wants to trade up to one. Mm-hmm. Kingsbury knows Caleb Williams. And the report is also the Bears want a historic compensation package for the first pick. So Okay, good Which luck. they already did last year. Yes, they did. They did pretty well on that one. They got to just sit there and take the guy. Right. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll get closer to the draft. Do you have a thought on Caleb Williams? Before we get back to the Bills and this 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 caboose we're going to add to the receiver train, do you have a thought on Caleb Williams? I think I'm wanting to like him more and more because I'm hearing more and more criticism about how he is too much of a personality. Okay. Or there is that. The thing I wonder paints about. paints his fingernails or like whatever. Like this type of stupid nonsense. Right. It has nothing to do with the fact that the guy can make every throw on the field like a la Mahomes. That's the thing. Can make every throw on the field like Mahomes. Yesterday, there was so I mean times Benjamin Solak tweeting about Mahomes and writing about Mahomes and the thing that he is. You, you want to be careful, I think, not to fall in love with the ridiculous upside of a Mahomes and an Allen mm-hmm. because what they have to do more routinely than do the crazy stuff is play on schedule and be patient and take the defense, this and that, and just process everything, mm-hmm. right? Allen played a really great game against the Chiefs because he just took what the defense was giving them. Uh, much to our chagrin, there were no explosive plays, but grading him out, he played well. Sometimes that's the game you have to play. Mm-hmm. And Mahomes against the Niners, what did he do? You'd say he did not have a great game until late. He averaged seven yards a throw. He threw for right. 330 by the time it was all said and done. And with Caleb Williams, you get a lot of highlights where he is in the pocket, scrambling, doing this and that. I've seen yeah. arm elasticity mentioned for Caleb yeah. Williams. Yeah. You know, and that's where you can throw it like Mahomes, like a shortstop. You sidearm. You do, you do anything you want out there. And he's got that 
improvisational stuff and in-the-pocket stuff, yep. and there's a lot of value in that, in avoiding sacks, which is something Mahomes and Allen do better than any two. You pressure them, you don't get to them. And for Caleb Williams, that's going to entice a lot of people, but the question is, mm-hmm. will he do the rest of it? Can he do the rest of it? Mm-hmm. Spend five minutes watching Caleb Williams highlights. It's a lot of off-schedule, crazy, wild stuff. Right. And you can't build, to make a whatever metaphor, you can't build the whole plane out of the wild stuff. Right. Because you know? I guess you do see Zach Wilson, who is all wild stuff. Yeah. Go watch it. Ian Hart had a video of like uh, last year of Zach Wilson like wild highlights, and it's just him trying to do like crazy stuff like that, and that's like all that he tries to do, and it doesn't usually work all that well. Yeah, but he had the athleticism kind of the same way. I, I still think Williams is going to be. I I want to believe that with the right coach, maybe maybe Chicago doesn't have the right coach, uh, that I can figure out the on schedule stuff. And I can't teach. I can't teach the. He's going to scramble away from three guys from a sack, and he's going to make a throw that only two other guys in the world can make. Yeah, who's the best quarterback in the NFL right now with only the wild stuff? That only does the wild the, stuff. The, that's that's really Will what they, Levis. That's well, right. That's right. <laughs> because, Will Levis is that guy. Because if you think about the other guys that have been drafted for the the potential to do that. You know, Tua and Purdy catch a lot of flack for not having enough wild stuff. For yeah. not having enough. Yeah. And here's Purdy, a play from winning the Super Bowl because he's in the right system. And Tua, you don't have to love him, but he's about to get a big raise, and he led the league in passing. Yeah. So I, I understand the, the pull to that type of quarterback, to the, the the guy that can do everything. Stroud probably didn't get enough credit for doing that stuff. Yeah. And he can do it all. Yeah, but he's also he was scrambling away and making throws on the run all, down the field. Sure, all year. but he also does yeah. on schedule yep. really, really well. So yeah, it's interesting to see what the uh, the Bears will do. What they have now in Fields, they can't keep Fields because Fields is a guy that insane. He doesn't do any of the on schedule stuff, and he's he, only got one year left in his rookie deal. Why would you not reset that clock? I know he's got he, he's got longest time to throw because he holds the ball. Yep. And, like it's just it's tough. It's tough. So I, I think the Bears probably move Fields, and we'll see where he goes. Quarterback carousel gets started. Jeremy and Joe, good morning. 803-0550. So, all right. Welcome to the wide receiver train, right? Mm-hmm. Choo-choo, baby. We're going. 72 days. Let's go. 72 days. I know that even though, you know, as we drive this train to get the Bills another explosive weapon or two for Josh Allen to help Josh Allen and lean all the way into Josh Allen, we probably have to talk about adding a defensive line caboose on this train, right? Or two defensive line cabooses. It's the it, we're not going to go back of the train. <laughs> we're not going to go full wide receiver and D line train. The, the receiver stuff is there. I got a couple of tweets yesterday from a listener, Michael, who asked, "Like, did that game change anything about how you feel?" Here are the Chiefs getting touchdowns from what. Marquez Valdez Scantling yeah. and Nicole Hardman, who was off the team. He was on the Jets. <laughs> and they brought him back and he caught the game winning touchdown. Yeah. Does that change the way you feel about Allen and receivers and investing big assets in receivers? And my answer was with the emphasis of Vince Carter jumping over a seven foot player and dunking, no. Mm-hmm. It does not change anything for me. What me I want, neither. what I need is the Bills to lean into Josh Allen. Instead of, you know, for two years it's been like, how do we how do we take 
pressure off of Allen? How do we do, how do we make him do less? And sure, a receiver that can make yards after the catch and win down the field. Does that take away from Allen? Does that help Allen? Does that make Allen more whatever? A lot of different ways to say it. They need to lean into our quarterback is a freak show. Mm. He can throw it 70 yards down the field. Let's get a guy that can run 70 yards down the field and catch the ball. Let's get somebody that can win at all three levels, right? So vertical threat, receiver that will help on all three levels, Mm -hmm. yak guys. They they need multiple receivers. And the rest of the draft, fine. Go do your defense. Yeah. Because they do need – they need – a lot of contributors on the defensive line, especially if Von Miller is not going to give them anything. If he's going to look like he did at the second half of last year, let's say that happens. He, his knee is shot. He's 36 years old. It's not that crazy to think torn ACL at that age, and he's just never going to be the same. If that's true, I only got Greg Rousseau and Ed Oliver. That's my entire defensive line that I trust can make an impact next year. So they have to do something. I mean, they could just do, hey, let's sign a Leonard Floyd to $8 million a year. It could be, even be Leonard Floyd again. But they can't they can't really do nothing at that position. It's the, kind of similar to receiver in that way. I feel like safety is different because you, that's a position that's not generally thought of as a premium position. You can replace that for cheap. Taylor App cost you $2 million bucks last year. Like, fine, that's fine. But they got to do defensive line in some way, shape, or form. I don't think they can avoid it, but I think the priority should still be behind receiver on that. It is funny. Every year, has has the deep line ever showed up in a way that's satisfactory in the game where the Bills end up falling, where the season ends? Because this year, they didn't do much. In the yeah. Bengal game, it was pointed out that they couldn't do anything. They were slipping and sliding all day. They drafted Rousseau because they couldn't get near Mahomes in the AFC Championship game a couple of years before that. So, it's... It's going to be frustrating because they've already done so much on the defensive line. But you're left here with two guys. Like, they have to. There's just there's no way. I don't think there's any way around it that they've got to do it. But I just hope they don't do it in the first round. I'm going to be a mental wreck <laughs> heading into day two of the draft if they have drafted a defensive lineman in the first round again and I don't yet have the confirmation that they're going to pick the receiver. I'll I'll be pretty confident that they would pick a receiver on that second day, but that whole morning and afternoon, I'll be in panic mode, and and what if they don't? On Vaughn, I was thinking about this yesterday. So not this past year where he was a complete non-factor coming off injury. Wasn't he the closest thing the Bills have had to a game record for that first half of two years ago? Yes. When they signed, right now that contract, we talk about it, and can they get out of it, and it's legal stuff, and blah, blah. The first eight games... They looked like they had exactly what they aimed to get, which was a defensive line that's going to rotate pieces, going to have some playmakers, and they have the big guy, the the guy to finish the games. Go go watch. Pull up Vaughn's highlights from his first year. Mm-hmm. It was eight sacks in half a season, and they were, were they all important? They were drive killers. They were game yeah. closers. There was a, there's a forced fumble against the Jets that gets the ball back, and it, like, they lose that game, but not he, because of like, – he was a massive difference maker. He did exactly yeah. what he was supposed to do, and then, of course, the ACL changes the course of that history, and we don't get to see if he can be that for a full year. And I'm not sitting here saying he would have 
beaten the Bengals single-handedly in that playoff game because everything went wrong. But that version of what this like, – to me, that eight games was the best this defense maybe ever was. Yeah. Because you had the sound secondary, you didn't even have Tredavious White, but you had things in place and it was working, and you had Vaughn wrecking games. The drive that the Chiefs had in the regular season meeting last season, last year, when Vaughn got, well, remember the pressure he made that forced Mahomes out and he threw the interception to Taron Johnson? The drive before that, I believe he got them off the field with a sack. He also pushed Kirk Cousins into that fourth and long before the Jefferson catch with the sack, which was at the end of that. I mean, he was great. He was great. But, man, I just... For a half a year. For a half a year. I, I, how could anyone think they're getting that back? Maybe maybe he'll be a player. He, he couldn't do anything. It went from 100 to zero yeah. last year. I mean, there just wasn't anything. I, I would take him being 25% of what he was in those first eight games right now. Because he wasn't even... He was not 25% of what he was last no, year. No, he's like 4%. Yeah. I, I was... Kingsley Jonathan. He was a healthy scratch at the end of the year. The division was still in play. Like, I know they were playing New England the week that he got scratched, but the season was still on the line. Had they clinched yet? They didn't clinch yet because they went no, week they eighteen. Clinched, yeah, that's right. They clinched to Miami. So they had not clinched the playoff spot yet. Well, they clinched and the week they, before, yeah. And he was or no that day. Sorry. They clinched the, uh, the, the week Jaguar, of the, the week Jaguar of. game, right? Yep, the week of. But they Will Levis did it. Uh or no, not Will Levis, the Titans, so Tannehill. Either way. Vaughn got scratched, a healthy scratch in a game where they had not locked up a playoff spot yet. That's how bad it was going. So I'm not that confident that it's going to look much better. I mean, how could it look worse, though? It's got to look somewhat better. But that dude's got a $23 million cap hit. And when we talked to Mike Giannetti a couple weeks ago, he just kind of said, like, you can't really do anything with that. You don't want to, You do not want to push money into the future and commit to more years of Von Miller. You just got to sit there and take that cap hit this year. And that's that's the risk, right? I Listen, nobody was upset when they signed him. I, I wasn't, certainly wasn't. That risk was always there, right, because of the age, I guess. If he was going to have an injury like that, this was possible. That you'd get into year three of the contract and go, ooh, this is not going well at all. And now you're prevented from doing other things because you needed to go sign Von Miller. I mean, if they hadn't didn't have Von Miller on the, the team right now, could they go sign Michael Pittman? Yes. That stinks. Or go sign a different defensive lineman? And that's not even mentioning the off-field issue. Right. Which, of course, still looms. I think it does. It hasn't been talked about anywhere since, I guess, the week that it happened. But that 911 call is out there. So, like, that happened. I don't know if anything will come of it. The league, I don't think, got asked about it. Bean did and said that there's no update. Um, so for now, I'm just assuming he's going to be under contract for them next year. And I don't think you can trust him to make an impact. So they've got to add defensive line. So is it, can it, can it not be a caboose though? Cause that means it's on the train. Doesn't, doesn't it? It's the last car. You need like a sidecar. <laughs> One of those like things where the two workers like push the, the, the handles up and down. That's yeah. the sidecar, right? That's what I need. Defensive line sidecar. Well, it's definitely there. Like when we talk, you know, receiver train and focus so much on it, it's because it's been a glaring need for three years, and there are definitely other needs. If somebody says, "Why do you want to receive the team needs a defensive lineman and overhaul?" I would say, like, yes, I went. We we know, we know. 
the first domino to fall this offseason. We've got the combine coming up in less than two weeks now. And then free agency starts. Like, the Bills could re-sign guys. They could re-sign some of their own. Yeah. They don't have a lot of room to do it. The first dominoes to fall would probably be cap restructures. And then we wait to see what happens with Gabe Davis. I saw Ian Harditz yeah. t- tweeting about him yesterday that Ian Rappaport, sorry, two Ians here in the same comment, mm-hmm. Rappaport was talking about Davis as one of the highest, most sought-after receivers on the market. Ian Harditz tweeting this. I wonder if Davis gets a shocking amount of money in free agency. Rappaport in early January called him one of the top wide receiver free agents available and one of the more underrated wide receivers in the league. That's Rappaport. Now, maybe he's, you know, helping out an agent by saying that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the UFA wide receiver class, Davis comes in at like ninth or 10th in terms right. of who's well, available. That's how we would look at it, right? I mean, you got Mike Evans. And Mike Evans, who, by the way, once called Gabe Davis the most underrated wide receiver in the league. Is <laughs> that sentiment out there for teams? Uh, maybe. I mean, we're, how many how many guys are above him? Evans is above him. Pittman's above him. Calvin Ridley's above him. Like, who would you rather have mm-hmm. as part of this offense? Are you sure Calvin Ridley's going to get more money than him? I wouldn't say that. I'm, you asked me who would rather have. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. definitely rather have Calvin Ridley. Me too, me too. Mar- I, Mar- that's one, though, where I think teams might get weird and say, well... Ridley's inconsistent and Ridley, you know, off the field stuff, whereas Gabe Davis can block and is all about a pro's it's, pro. Look what the Bills say about him in the workroom or in the in the weight room. Who, yeah, who's more trustworthy, I guess, would be a thing that comes up there. Why Gabe Davis gets fourteen million and Calvin Ridley gets ten. But I would rather have Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley gets open way more than that guy than Gabe Davis does. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr. All ahead of him. Yep. Yep. Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown would be ahead of him. How many more? The list might end there. What about uh, about Darnell Mooney? Would Darnell Mooney be above him? Same territory? Is Jawan Jennings above him? <laughs> mm, I mean, he can no. throw. He can throw. He can throw. Yeah, he's he's it's it. He'll get a healthy contract somewhere. Yeah, he'll he'll get a raise. I mean, he'll get paid because if he doesn't, he's back here. Right? I, I wouldn't be sure about that. If he if his market just crashed and burned. If his market crashed and burned, what could the Bills even give him? The, the Bills are so strapped. What would they even like what could Brandon Bean say? Like the what what's the uh the Kendrick Bourne contract that we talked about the other day? I mean that might be one year, which is different, right? That is different. You do one year four million for a guy like that versus but, Davis might be like a three, four year deal for it's worth anything. pointing out the Bills when Beasley left it was, we need you to pay, take a pay cut, and he instead just got released. Yeah. So think of how hardline their money would have been to Beasley for him to say, I need to seek a trade, and then just outright let go because he wouldn't take that pay cut. Right. So with Davis, it, it might even be an insulting offer just because of the, the cap. They wouldn't want to make it just because. Right. Yeah. It, it might hey, be we where we can give you six million bucks. It might even be less. Yeah. It might be where his market value is 12, and if his market crashes an, in a non-strapped year, the Bills could say, like, we'll give you eight. But in this current cap environment for the Bills, their answer is really like, I got like three and a half. Mm-hmm. And he can't take it. Well, also, they might use a hockey phrase here. You don't want to block the prospect, right? Would they be? Would Bean be thinking about this of, if we're going to invest our first-round pick, in a wide receiver, 
We need to make sure the guy is going to have snaps on the field. Because if they go out and pay Gabe Davis, the way they use him, how much is that rookie playing? Yeah. I mean, if the guy's amazing, you can't keep him off the field. But at that point, why do you have Gabe Davis? Because you're not taking Shakir off the field, are you? No. You're not, you're not taking Diggs off the field. So you can sign Davis's insurance back, but I just don't even see how that's worth it, no, if, even if his market is half what we think it is. Because if the rookie's just good, I don't need him for anything. Think, and now I have him under contract for a multi-year deal when I just, I just don't need him at all. I just think Davis ultimately follows the path of others like him that the Bills loved and just said, like, we just can't do it. That's Harrison, 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 Harrison Phillips. Harrison That's the guy. Phillips. Yeah, like we him. just can't do it. We're not just not in the cards. Edmonds, yeah, Edmonds, big money. Davis won't even be big, big. I don't think we'll see. Spot track has him thirteen point six. I don't think he gets thirteen, but you know, with the cap going up, you never know. Everybody gets paid more and more and more. Eight oh three oh five fifty. I've got a let's get stupid when we get back. If you want it, nice. Yes. There was a, and I'm saying it, stupid, crazy idea, on the. The strategy in overtime. So, hey, we do Let's Get Stupid. The worst overtime strategy you've ever heard. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Let's Get Stupid next. I'm convinced, folks. Uh, that's pretty much the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Stupidest <laughs> thing you could have said. Are you an idiot? Yo, you don't even know what stupid is. It's about to get all stupid up in here. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Okay, let's get stupid. Jeremy and Joe, good morning, and Josh. So this is a spot where we're ready to talk about anything. There's no, there's no stupid ideas. Trading for McDavid. Yeah, I do have one about voting against your own players to make the Pro Bowl. Okay, but that's going to be another day. Okay. <laughs> Joe sent that one into us, listener. You can send us your ideas like, hey, talk about this. It might be ridiculous, but let's talk about it. Here's one. I sent this to Joe last night because I saw it on uh, you know, Twitter, or people call it X these days. Uh, ben Gretsch, he wrote about the overtime strategy. He was half kidding, mm-hmm. but he, he got a text. This is one of those, like, check the, the text group. Mm-hmm. The overtime discourse ending with, you should receive the kickoff, deliberately turn it over on downs inside your opponent's one-yard line, and then either get a safety or stop them and get a field goal. So you so you, you get, drive down you, you, to the one. You get the ball first. You go all the way to their one. Yeah. Then you put the ball on the ground and say, like, you take it now. Instead yeah. of going in for the touchdown. You kneel it three times. Yeah. And then it's first and goal, first and ten for them at their own one. Yeah, backed up. A safety would win it. A safety wins the game because both teams have had a chance to possess. And if they stop them, right? Where's that punt going to be? That punt's going to be at midfield, and now I got to go fifteen yards to get into field goal range. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Mm. This is well, one they, where... They had first and goal. At the, they've kneeled it twice. Here it's fourth. They're kneeling again. I'm going to test this one in Madden. I'm going to test this one in Madden. You go all the way to the I'm one? I'm going to report back. I'm going to get to the one-yard line. I'm going to kneel, 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 and then I'm going to see how it goes. And you just get a stop. Get one stop. Well, there's two. I have two ways of winning, really. Yep. If I get the stop, I'm in... What are my odds? 90% to win the game if I stop them? Oh, yeah. And if I and I can get the safety and just win it right there. 
But if you do that, and then they come down and get a field goal, you're the biggest moron that's ever existed well, on, yes, in football. Yes. Hence, let's get stupid. Exactly, yes. What about yeah. rather than kicking it off, you kick an onside kick? You could do that. Does that count as your possession, though? If I you don't are, listen, there's probably a, there's so. a point. To, let, let's say you're the kicking team. Kicking onside would just be giving up that field position. If yeah. you get the ball, that counts as that other team's possession. It does count. It does? Yes. Okay. So Even though they the... didn't really possess it. Yes. They, they might have never touched it. Doesn't matter. That's a turnover. If you do not okay. collect the kick, that's a turnover. Sal went over this yesterday. That is laid out in the rules. So, just if... electing to receive, however that happens, that, that counts as your possession. Yes. Yeah. Or if I elect to kick and you're going to get the ball, yeah. I can kick on side. If I get that ball, your possession is gone. Right. But if you don't get the onside kick, the team that kicked doesn't – they still have their possession. That's right. Yeah. It's almost risk-free. I'm going to get the ball after this no matter what. Right. Imagine the Chiefs had come out and kicked onside. The <laughs> Niners would not have expected it. Well, and the, the way the players would have didn't know the rules, they would have been like, what's happening right now? Right. We have had, had no clue. We had a surprise onside kick in the Super Bowl with the Saints. Yeah. In overtime, if Andy Reid had kicked onside and they got that ball – yeah. It would have been talked about as the most brilliant coaching decision in NFL history. And it might be right. And the, and the Chiefs have it, and the Niners will not get a chance here. Yeah, A field goal can win it. Right. And you're getting a pretty good field position. The, uh, <laughs> I'm now imagining the Chiefs onside kick it. They don't get it. The Niners get it back, and because they don't know the rules, Kyle Juszczyk starts celebrating like they won the <laughs> Super Bowl. Like, that's it. That, that was their possession, right? I think I like the onside kick idea a lot. Do you like it more than getting down to the one? A lot more. It away? Yes, yes. I mean, getting okay. to the one and deciding not to take points seems not that right. That is a rule proposal that was mentioned, or maybe it was just an idea, when the Bills-Chiefs 13-second game happened was you can either, what was it, you either decide you want the ball or you can pick where the ball goes. Right. And there was some debate of you might rather start on defense if the other team begins their possession at the one. It's really the same thing. Right. There was a bidding process. You bid on where you'll take the ball, and the team that bids the furthest yeah. back gets it. Yeah. Which would have been fun. And I think going back to those conversations, the conversation it, it tended to be like the 11-yard line is where yeah. you would say, go take that ball. I still like my, uh, my first to score touchdown race. Be so much more simultaneous chaotic. offense. Both teams, you have you have enough players. Both teams' offenses and both teams' defenses go to the up, uh, opposite twenty-five yard lines, which is where they start in college, right? Yep. You're going to go to opposite twenty-five yard lines. You're going to need another uh, set of officials, though. The only thing here, uh, that's the one thing. You're both on the count of ten. Go. Now you're in your two-minute drill. The first team, you unlimited set of downs. Whoever gets into the end zone first wins. No timeouts. No timeouts. Both defenses on the field, on opposing sides, both offenses on the field. I'm never going to run into each other because if they throw an interception, the game just ends right there. There's no returning it. There you go. And you got to get two cameras, Romo screaming because <laughs> things are happening. Yeah. This Pure is, chaos. This has been Let's Get Stupid. I've got a quick note of history for you. Context. Of this day in history, or no, just whatever. I, I looked something up 
and it might be surprising to a number of you. Okay. So, Alan Mahomes, it's not exactly a hot take or people are pointing out like, hey, this is the next Brady Manning. I mean, yeah. Brady did win three before Manning won one. Before he even went to one. That's right. Yep. So, hey, it's the new Brady Manning and take heart, Bills fans. You've got, you got Manning and that's Brady. Yep. And even if, listen, a Bills fan right now, they're going to win six, you're going to win two. We would take it, right? Come on. Yes. You, we, yes, you, yes, you yes, would, yes, take would. Yes, would, would. would take it. Would take it. You would. Who cares how many they win? I get one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd like more than one. Okay. How many times did Brady and Manning meet in the postseason? While Manning was with the Colts. The original Brady Manning. Colts Patriots. How many times did they play in the postseason? Was it like five or six? Three. They played three times. Mm-hmm. Were they all early? Pretty early. To give you to give you the the dates on this, they played three times when Peyton Manning was in Indy. Yeah. And once when he was in Denver. Yeah. He beat him in Denver. He did. Yeah. Brady and Manning met in the postseason four times. Mahomes and Allen are already on. They're already on three. Three. Yeah. The last time Manning and Brady met, hmm. Manning was thirty nine and Brady was thirty eight. For them to really, truly... So, <laughs> they, can you imagine yeah. right now if, if Mahomes and Allen did not meet in the playoffs again until they were 39? Right, for 10 more years. Yeah. We're going to go a decade, and they're not going to see each other. Again. Brady and Manning played three times when Manning's with Indianapolis. He lost the first two, won the third one, went to the Super Bowl and won it, and they did not play again until Manning was 39 years old. Did he beat the Patriots on the way to the Super Bowl? He did. He did? Okay. They won that game in Indy, Okay, and then they went on to, win, to beat the Bears. Okay. But that is 2007, 2000, the 2006 playoffs, it's the 2000, January of 2007, when they meet for the last time when it's New England and Indy? I mean, how much longer? Brady, Brady has got, Brady's got 12 years left in his Patriots career, and, and he has seen Manning's Colts for the last time in the playoffs. Yes. He does see Manning's Broncos, but he's seen the Colts yeah. the last time. They played luck twice. Right, so just right, to be, it's one of those the deflate game. Th- th- think about that. In the history of Tom Brady and Colts playoff quarterbacks, he played Manning three times and Luck twice. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Which two quarterbacks, you can find this, I started to look for it. Met the most? Yeah. What two quarterbacks have met the most? And how far are we from Allen and Mahomes breaking that record? How many times would they have to meet to break that record? Because the the reality is, while we might think this is like Brady-Manning, it could be far... Worse is one way to say it. It could be they meet seven times, ten times. Ten times? Imagine if they meet ten times. Ten Brady times. Brady and Manning met three times. Yeah. In the postseason with the Colts and the Patriots. Maybe that's a point, though, to say, like, it's you're just not – it's random. Like, maybe it's, maybe it's real lucky that the Bills and Chiefs have met this much. It doesn't seem that way because they've been – there was that chart yesterday that was floating around about point differential in the last four years. And the Bills and the Chiefs are one and two. Like, they've been the two best teams regular season. So, it doesn't seem like a coincidence that they would meet in the playoffs all the time. But, maybe that is a coincidence. Maybe that's not normal. I mean, how many times well, it's did... Not, it's not normal to be in the AFC Championship game six consecutive years. That's also that's also. But the, the Patriots true. did do it nine in a row. Yeah. I mean, how many times did Kelly and Marino meet in the playoffs? 
They played in 95. They played in 92. They played in 90. That's it. Three. Three times. And I'm assuming that Marino and Kelly both played all those. Maybe I shouldn't. Reich played in some of those. Uh, And here's Allen and Mahomes with three, and they aren't yet 30. Yeah. Yeah, what would the record be for that? Did, like, Cutler and Rodgers meet each other? Is there going to be, like, some battle that you never uh, heard of? Because I, I, what, I guess, five or six for Manning and Brady? That's what it feels like. 803-0550. See if you can find that. Most... Most ever. The the matchup that happened the most. Anybody out there, if you know this is a trivia question, I, I'm trying to find it. What two quarterbacks have met in the postseason the most? Brady's got to be involved, right? Because he played he, so many. You would think. He, I bet he played someone more than Manning. How many times did he play? Brady? Played, how many times did he played Big Ben in the play, in the playoffs? Like that, I, I, I want to look. He played forever. Yeah. Look at all the playoff charts. There's like one with uh, playoff touchdowns where <laughs> Brady's up top with however many it is and then like with less than half oh, is second place all time. Yeah. Brady's got 88. Montana's got 43 or something. 45. I mean, he played Mahomes twice. That's pretty incredible. He played, he played Manning Mah- three times and Mahomes twice. Yeah. Mahomes played Brady twice, has played Manning, or has played Allen three times. He played Eli Manning twice. Right. <laughs> he played Eli Manning twice. All this sets up for, are, are Mahomes and Allen going to meet the most of any quarterback tandem ever? You might want to place that bet today. Yeah. 803-0550. We'll do our best to find the answer to this, but it's wild to think that those two only met three times. 803-0550, Sabres head coach Don Granato. Your phone calls as well. Don's coming up at 8 o'clock here on WGR. Caller 5 right now wins a pair of tickets to see Dirks Bentley at Darien Lake, July 20th. Tickets are courtesy of Live Nation. Good luck. Got a call here from uh, Bob in Arkansas. Don Granato coming up 8 o'clock. Hey, Bob, good morning. Hey, guys. How are you doing this morning? Good. Morning. Good. Good, good. Hey, thanks for having me on. I just uh, – so I went to the game, you know, the Chiefs-Bills uh, game several weeks back, obviously. And I tried watching the game when I got back home. You know, we drove back and I get back till Tuesday. And I was – it was too painful. I started watching it and I was like, I can't do it. So this weekend – had an opportunity to sit down. My wife was out of town. Kids were in bed. And I uh, watched the whole thing over again. You know, not the All-22, just the game. And it was interesting, you know. I mean, I guess the biggest thing that I saw is those two drops by Sherfield, how consequential those were. And I didn't really think about it until I watched the game. And I said, dang, you know, they cost us. It was the second out play of the first one, I think. We're up 10-3. And he drops that one long pass. And then we ended up punting after a third down a short pass, I think. And you know, the opportunity to go up 7-3 in that game, huge, you know, and just that catch would have made that big difference. And another big drop, I think it was in the fourth quarter, same thing. I think we punted after that. You know, the Diggs drop stunk. Um, I hated that long one, but, you know, the Sherfield ones were horrible. And I just think it's almost malpractice to have Sherfield on the field in that situation, which they had no choice. I get it. But uh, between that and then how badly they exploited A.J. Klein was pretty clear, too, to me, once I saw the game on uh, TV. But, Anyway, just want to get your thoughts. I know you guys got the wide receiver train bumping, and I'm fully on board. But, man, it, it really came very clear to me after sitting down and watching it again. Well, that's why they need multiple receivers, right? They need more than one. 
Yeah, they got to replace Sherfield, who's a free agent anyway. And got to replace Davis, who's a free agent. And Hardy could be cut and save money. Yep. Like, that's three guys off your wide receiver room. And can we be done with the days where the immediate backup to your two outside receivers is on teamer? the team because of his special teams ability? Yeah, Kumaro. And then Kumaro Sherfield. and then Sherfield, right. Yeah. Because that was not the case before that. No. Gabe Davis was, was the backup, <laughs> and he was not ever playing special teams as a rookie. Yeah. 803 I have a very fast instant trivia that you, okay. you're, t- you're taking off after the segment. And I feel like you need to be here. Okay. Because you are... Droughtology. Well, you're the Sabres sicko. Yeah. That remembers a lot of these things. I was trying to dig one up yesterday. Uh, Alex Ovechkin has more goals during the Sabres drought than any Sabre ever. Okay. That one might not be that surprising, though, because it's been a long time no, for him. It's a long drought. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sabres and Kings... Coming up tonight. Okay. And we'll talk to Don Granado in a, a moment. We did this last week with the Dallas Stars, and I liked it, so we're going to do it again. Sabres-Kings crossovers during the Sabres drought. Defensemen. There are five. Defensemen. Five defensemen have played for both the Sabres and the Kings during right. the Sabres playoff I'm drought. A, I'm going to need a ruling. Yeah. Nick Delorier played defense for the Kings, but not for the Sabres. So he doesn't count? No, he does not. Okay. Because he did play defense for the Kings. Uh, Braden McNabb. Yes. Axel Janssen Falby. No. No. What? He never played for the no, Sabres. I don't think he was a defenseman. He got claimed by the Sabres. But he never he, played. I thought he played. He didn't play. Or well, he if he did, he was, a, he was a forward, I think. What? Oh, I don't okay. know. That doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Robin, Robin Regeer doesn't matter. Robin Regeer yeah. is correct. I'll have to find this Falby gentleman. You'll never spell it right. Guy that played one game for the Sabers, even even if he got in, um, and he's listed. He's listed as a left wing. I, that's what I thought. I thought he was a forward. No, no um, I'm sorry. That, sorry, that shoots left. Let me okay. find more about this. Axel. Uh, he's a. Axel there was right an Axel on the Axel Saber. Foley. Axel Foley. Axel Johnson Foley. Um, defenseman. How about Christian Erhoff? Correct. I thought he made his way to the Kings. He was good. Yes, he was. He's still getting paid by the Sabres for five more years. Uh, Remember when they could have just actually traded him and not feared the cap recapture penalty because he would have just played? Remember that? Right. And instead they just... The cap recapture penalty, which was what? Like a couple million bucks in a season where they probably finished dead last? I need to find what they finished the year they were afraid of the cap recapture penalty. Really glad they had that four million bucks to pay Connor Sherry. It might have been been a bigger hit than that, but the point is like... You know, yeah, it's not like they're whatever. Um, how many more are there? There's five total. And we have what three? Three more. There's three more. Okay. Defensemen to have played for the Sabers and the Kings in the Sabers playoff drought. Josh Georges. No. Never played for the Kings. Okay. Cody Franson. No. Okay. Drought defenseman. Are these early drought defensemen? Um, these are, yeah, two of these guys are not like, woe is us, this franchise is stuck in the mud, not yet. One of them, uh, funny enough, would have been Erhoff era-ish. Maybe both of them would have been. Jordan Leopold. No. Uh, there was a Erhoff sto- era-ish. There was a story that they went out to team. get this guy with a helicopter. Oh, Robin Regeer. He said, he said Robin Regeer. Oh, you did? I didn't hear yeah. you say, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you say Regeer. 
the helicopter. The Regeer helicopter. Did you say Regeer and I said yes and I just forgot to check it off my list? That could have happened too. I think so. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, okay, so uh, was there's another like Airhoff era guy? This guy's a Sabres draft pick who started his career here, went a lot of different places, and was pretty good. Sabres draft pick went a lot of different places and was pretty good. He will be a future trivia question for having played. Oh, Andre Sakara. Correct. Sakara. Carolina, the Kings, the Oilers, the Stars. Wow. And then finally, the answer, uh, the last one is Kale Clegg. Never in a million years was I getting to Kale Clegg, so thank you for giving me that one. Yep. Kale Clegg played for both the Sabres and the, uh, the Kings. Good times. Yeah. Clegg, 11 games appeared for with the Kings. Uh, 18 the year before that and four of the year. Okay, so he's played his most games with the Kings. I'm surprised it's not, uh, it's not more than that. Yeah. There you go. There's instant trivia brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. All right. You're getting out of here. I'm getting out of here. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Yep. Sabres head coach Don Granado coming up. We'll chat with him about uh, the Owen Power news. Uh, he's out of lineup. And where the Sabres go from here, Granado had some pointed comments about his team's urgency in their latest loss. Uh, have a chance to, of course, get back on track tonight against the Kings. So Sabres head coach Don Granado, when we return. It's time to talk Sabres hockey. Let's get the inside story. Here's Sabres head coach, Don Granado. The Don Granado Show is being brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth. By Losi and Ganji, workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, working hard for hardworking Western New Yorkers. By Roy's Plumbing, just call Roy's today. We'll take the worry away. And by Town Ford. When you think Ford, think of Town Ford. Now with head coach Don Granado, here's Jeremy White and Joe DiBiase. Waiting on head coach Don Granado, the Buffalo Sabres. They'll play tonight against the Kings. Get you some uh, news and all that on the Sabres. They are currently sitting uh, 12 points out of a playoff spot, and they'll play the Kings tonight as this uh, little mini homestand continues. The final playoff spot held by the Red Wings right now, who have 60 points, and the Sabres have 48 points with uh, just 21 games remaining. Sabres are six six points out of last in the East and 12 points out of a playoff spot. They lost their last game, and uh, the head coach talked a lot about urgency and need to get more urgency. The biggest thing to watch right now for the Sabres also is what to do with Casey Middlestad. And, you know, if they move him, there have been reports they're taking calls on him. Middlestad had said that uh, there had not been any sort of chatter yet between the two sides about a contract extension, which is not that surprising, I suppose. You know, as we talk about all of the prospects and picks the Sabres have, it puts them in a unique spot when talking about this this organization and what to do. Any other organization could trade a player like this for a first-round pick and a prospect, and it would seem like a good idea if they could get that price. This organization, unless they're going to start spinning picks and prospects for actual players, we, we've actually reached a spot of prospect fatigue and pick fatigue we've gone through multiple drafts drafting first and second and lots of eighths and this year looks like it might be in the neighborhood of a top eight pick top five pick maybe even and pick and prospect fatigue is a real thing because yeah the idea of adding another piece is not exactly <laughs> exciting there was a report 
I saw from Elliot Friedman that the Sabres are, in fact, looking to get better now. They want help now, which now might not necessarily save their season this year, but to bring somebody in in a hockey trade, something like that, that could help them get better now. That could be a a person you see on the ice right away, brings a different element to their game, whatever it might be. The, The idea of getting better now, I think that would be welcomed. Not exactly like, you know, you add Eric Robinson from the Blue Jackets for a conditional seventh, someone to help now, but a real asset that, that's just tough to find. And I'm not sure what the hockey trade is where, here, you're a contender that's going to take Middlestat, and I'll take this other player from you. And if you're a contending team, you don't really want to give that up, right? And if you're not a contending team, maybe that's the answer. You go, you call Columbus, and you swap two players because you both want to, finger quotes, get better now. But in the case of Middlestad, I mean, he's an RFA, so whoever does bring him in is going to have to do a contract or try to kind of figure out where they stand with that. It's um, it's just not a good spot necessarily to be in. And the Sabres are kind of in a corner here on what to do with Middlestad because paying him would block a lot of these prospects. And he's a good player, there's no doubt about that. But you already have Cousins, you already have Thompson locked into deals. You're talking Quinn and Paterka coming up down the line. They're probably going to want to commit to to them, whether it's Kulik, Savoy. There's also a report that teams have called on Yuri Kulik in, down in Rochester, and the Sabres have said no. Like, not necessarily untouchable, but that's a player that they have been patient on and are still waiting on. So we'll see. It, it's just it's a tough time. Th- they're in a tough spot. There's no doubt about that. I think the head coach kind of gave that to us in postgame about urgency. Kyle Oposo said the same similar things, like urgency is not there. The last run for them, they've been getting very good goaltending from Ukapakalukanen, and their shot numbers are are decent, but expected goals is not very high. Power play has been sinking this team all year long. Expected goals and quality of scoring chance, just it's not really there. It's not really a style right now they're playing that has been too good, and that's tough. I went to the game on Saturday, packed house, and it was uh, – you know, another example of a team getting out in front of them and you hope they can come back. They scored one goal and they didn't even put it in the net themselves. It's just, it's it's tough. I know the, the support from a lot of fans is still there to want to go to games, want to support the franchise, support the team. But it's tough to say. Like, is it rock bottom for fans? I don't think it's rock bottom for the team. They still have a lot of assets, still a lot of pieces. They They have things they can use. They're just not getting the results that, they really needed this year. This was a year where Kevin Adams said their Stanley Cup window opened and they were trying to make the playoffs. And right now it looks like they will not come close. Who knows if they get to 80 points a year after getting up over 90. So they're in tough a bit right now and they have a chance to try and finish strong and put some good things together, find the answers to some of their problems. And we'll see what happens at the deadline, which is less than a month away and Middlestat will be the uh, the big name to watch, of course. So with that, we'll get to Sabres head coach Don Granato to talk about all this. Don, good morning. Good morning, Jeremy. Well, I, I just could kind of laid out before we brought you on that um, things like things seem kind of tough right now. Your, 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 your tone after Saturday talking urgency for this team and for this group, um, not, probably not a conversation you want to have about a lack of urgency from, from your group. 
Yeah, and in particular, just particularly the other night, we, we I think the, the shot attempts, we favored us. It was 40 to 20 after two periods. And, and so through two periods, you know, that was the number. But were we getting to the net? Was there enough grit to the net, um, determination around the net, uh, you know, those sorts of things. So it's, 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 it's you're, you're close, but close is not good enough. And, and it's, um, you know, that's the frustrating, that's the frustration. It's, it's right there. It's just, uh, you know, the, the final finality of seizing that. Um, so it's, it's, it's not been awful by any means other than the result itself, which, um, which we obviously, you know, you, you don't want to lose a hockey game, but, um, you know, that process is, is, is right, right there for you. It's, it's, 80 percent good in that situation, and you're not finishing it. When you Don, when you say like, you know, the the, the shot numbers are up, but guys aren't going to the net. How, how do you drive home that message? Do you feel like the the numbers in terms of shot attempts are high, but the quality might not be high because players are are, are settling. And in that spot, like I, I wonder how difficult it is for a player because a lot of times you're going to preach pucks to the net, and firing it from distance is one way to get pucks to the net. But you you obviously want to make sure that there's there's somebody else there. <laughs> Somebody's got to go to the net for the puck that you send to the net. It's, it's, if you look at the other day, we did have guys around the net in front of it. I don't think the timing was, was there. Um, it, it is a challenge. It is, uh, you know, you have to, you, you, it goes low to high to the, to the defenseman at the point. There is a timing uh, to it. Um, when that shot, you know, he's contending with a guy that's trying to block the shot. He might have to shoot. You know, even some cases you're shooting a little bit wider than that, waiting for a redirect to the net. Um, so it's it's collective reads uh, that I think can be can be improved on or could have been um, a little better in the game, better in the game the other day. Um, I don't think it's in. Um, you know, we had willingness, but in in spurts, I would say, not the consistency. So it wasn't an all-out epidemic epidemic of not going to the net. We we had guys there. Um, Again, the trick is the perimeter, if you look at events, you know, analytic events before goals, uh, there is a lot of perimeter play. So there's a need for that if you're going to score goals. It's just getting off the perimeter at the right time to the front of the net at the right time uh, in numbers, in layers. And, uh, you know, when we're on our game, that that happens. When anybody's on their game, that's what's happening. And, um, you know, we weren't there the other night, obviously, uh, and um, didn't score enough. And, you know, the, the Dallas game, you know, where we had 40-some shots, I mean, you look at the number of point-blank shots we did have, uh, you know, those those outright should have been enough uh, w- with the guys we had shooting and, and you know, um, dead in the middle of the rink. But, yeah, it's, it's, it is frustrating. It's, um, um, and, and, you know, all you do is uh, you, you keep demanding and keep pushing, and uh, at the end um, you got to make sure it makes your guys better and they gain the experience of it. Sabres head coach Don Granado here on the Western Outline as we chat about uh, tonight's game and going forward. Don, on, on Saturday afternoon, I was on the power play. You, you guys have had trouble on the power play all year. I want to ask you about a couple of plays that I hope they're, they're not too specific, but I thought I saw something happen twice. 
Um, first period, Jeff Skinner kind of walks in and plays it back to the point. I, I think he's expecting Dylan Cousins to be there, and Cousins had come off the wall, and it clears the zone, kind of like a self-imposed clear. And then later on in the game, Middlestad kind of did the same thing, where he played it back to the point, but there's nobody there, almost like he's looking for someone. And I wonder if you're, you're seeing this. Is there, a, is there a breakdown of communication on the power play where, where one player is expecting a player to be in a spot and that player's not there? Yeah, I, I think in those instances, uh, Jeremy, both players with the puck uh, probably had some regret to, to, to moving it okay. you know, in, that, in that direction. Um, you know, we've been guilty of, of looking for a better play when we have a, 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 you know, when we're in a position to maybe attack the net directly uh, and converge. I mean, you know, the, those guys you mentioned can't, you know, Others should converge when they're when they're attacking the net. But I think on those plays, you know, I think both players would probably tell you, um, you know, they they, they regretted uh, doing it because they had a little bit, they, they were not under the pressure that maybe they they felt uh, in the moment. So when it comes to the power play, what answers? What what's next? What's the next stage? It's, it's been something that's been. I mean, I want, I want to say kind of sinking your, your chances for quite a bit. Five-on-five five play, some of the numbers on you know, shot attempts and uh, expected goals are respectable and good in, in, in the middle, but the power play has been a consistent issue. It has been. Um, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it is, there's still been chances generated on it, as you saw. I mean, Paterka had an unbelievable chance. Um, you know, there, there were others. We had multiple chances generated. Uh, but again, it, it, it goes hand in hand with your, your, your I, I think with your psyche, your mentality, with feeling good. You know, um, there, there's a um, a rhythm and a momentum to it. Um, you know, when a goal scores, and, and you know that's what you've got—a group of goal scorers typically on your power play starts feeling good. Uh, they're shooting with a little bit more uh, calm or confidence in their game, and I think I think for us, we're we're still pressing in that regard. Um, you know, trying to score the perfect goal uh, and place it in a, you know, a three-inch by three-inch spot instead of just, you know, trusting that you've you've trained long enough and hard enough that your instincts will pick that spot for you. Just grab it and, and, and rip it. Um, so I think that's that's a big, big part of it. Um, a couple personnel changes. I thought um, the addition to Greenway on there for, for a net front presence and, um, you know, Akposo on the other unit for, for the same reason. Uh, has opened up more space, and now it's um, you know realizing and taking advantage of that space. Like you mentioned, the two plays where we, we could have taken it to the net, uh, taking it to the net more in those situations. Um, so there's still uh, you know with with personnel changes, um, uh, you know still still a, a bit of an evolution that you're trying to speed up. Sabres head coach Don Granado, what's the latest on Owen Power? We know he went off for imaging. He's going to be out today for certain in uh, probably the next few games, unfortunately. Um, I, I haven't talked to medical this morning on it. Um, did get, obviously, the reports yesterday through the day. Uh, but it, it's going to be, uh, you know, not, not long-term, um, uh, but probably uh, at least a week um, and maybe a couple. Uh, but I'll confirm that later today. How have you thought he's played this year for you, Power, in his, his- – as he you know continues his career, signed a big extension, you know more is expected of him because of that. But he's still a very young player. How have you liked Power's game for the most part? Well, he's, he's obviously a little bit like our our team. He struggled at times, um, 
but you see the the underlying talent and um you know i think he's given us some really really good moments really really good games um and like every player you're 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 wanting that to be more consistent um but you know certainly not uh, he has not been a a you know a, a disappointment he's still one heck of a hockey player uh even when he is challenged so um still a Still contributing, lots of positive is, is how I would say, uh, and growing at the same time, growing his game. Don, how do you approach the trade deadline as a coach? You've got players that might be wondering if they're on the move. Some veterans, I mean, Eric Johnson's name's going to be out there. I've seen reports of Gergensen's and Oposo's name even out there, and Middlestad as well. You know, you've got you've got a good number of players that could be thinking about that. Do, do you have conversations with any player whose name comes up? Or do they come to you about that? Uh, you know, you, you do, I guess, intermittently. There's no there's no plan and, you know, uh, playbook on it. You talk to the guys all the time. We're talking to our, you know, those, all our guys every day. Uh, and you're talking to them about, you know, what what they, what you see and don't see and need to, need to, uh, uh, what, what you see maybe they don't see and, and how to get ready for the next game. Um, you're always demanding of each guy as a coach. Uh, so in that process, you're communicating with each guy, and, and these are things. If you know they have things on their mind, they're they're usually discussed in those instances. So, um, you know, as as life things uh, per se, and and so uh, that constant communication is is essential, obviously. Um, and when they come up, they come up, and you talk about it. How about your communication with the general manager Kevin Adams this time of year about? the deadline and, and the direction of the team. I mean, it feels like the deadline is sometimes overblown, but it's, you know, that day represents the last chance you get to kind of change your franchise or, or move it in certain directions until the summer. How much will you and Kevin Adams be talking about where this team needs to go given the deadline? Yeah, we, you know, that's a topic we talk about every day, really, uh, you know, where we're at, uh, you know, in the context of our franchise uh, movement growth, where where we are in the context of the league, um, and and everyone else, a competitive environment there, and um, you know, our, our all our personnel um, identity, those sorts of things. So we're we're constantly communicating on that um, every day, and that 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 won't change. Um, even you know, way before the deadline, when the deadline approaches, after the deadline, that th- those things uh, happen all the day. And then, obviously, Kevin talks to general managers. He's mentioned every single day. He's talking to general managers and getting the context of you know whatever it may be, the trade market or or, or what's going on to see if it fits uh, you know any direction we may be thinking in. And Don, before we let you go, I want to ask you about you know just there have been some reports that there's a desire to get better now. I mean, you know, the, the playoffs might be a big hill to climb, but the season's not over. Uh, are you interested in help now, in addition to, of course, building the way that you might want to as an organization? Is there a desire to get help now? Uh, you know, I, I hate I hate saying help by any means and using that word. So you say that, it's like, you know, I think you're always looking to get better. So, um, you know, I know that's the case. You know, we are uh, looking to, you know, for ways to get better. And that means, um, you know, any any move isn't making us better. Is it moving? Is it going to move us in the direction, you know, faster the, the way we want to go? So um, I, I hope that answers your question. But 
It's more of how we process it. Sabres and Kings tonight from uh, KeyBank Center. Don, thanks for the time, and uh, best of luck this week. Okay, thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Sabres head coach Don Granato, brought to you by Firth Jewelers. For all the moments in your life, go forth to Firth by Losi and Ganji, workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, working hard for hardworking Western New Yorkers. By Town Ford, when you think of Ford, think of Town Ford. And by Roy's Plumbing, just call Roy's today. We'll take the worry away. 803-0550, A little bit of a debate raging on uh, the old Twitter about Gabe Davis. Maybe not much of a debate, but a good conversation about what we're about to step into. We'll tackle some of that. Get some thoughts on the Sabres, too, going forward. we got Paul Hamilton coming up at 9 to uh, preview tonight's game. we got to preview the hot dog. There's, there's a hot dog. It's the year of the hot dogs. Josh, what if I told you I met my super secret hot dog source? We've had somebody sending us the hot dog of the game hours before doors open each and every game. I, uh, I met the hot dog source. That is incredible. I mean, that is a <laughs> – he's, he's a hero in disguise. That's right. And he's not the person we deserve, but he's the person we need in this year of the hot dog. You know, you think, how, that, that's how the superhero sayings it, go, right? Yeah. Like, not the not hero the, the city deserves, but the hero the city needs. Yes. That's something something like that. Something like that. Yeah, you'd think like someone in my position, like, oh, you must have a lot of connections. It's, that's right. People send me the hot dog of the day ahead of time. That's that's kind of pull I've got around here. 803-0550, an L.A. dog tonight. Likely a, like, like a street-style dog. Well, we'll see. On Gabe Davis when we get back. I got a question about it. Someone wrote to me, you know, how are we going to feel? And I, I I think I'm firmly in a spot on how I feel about it going forward. With due respect to the player, to the plan, we'll get to that. Because that's going to be the first domino. Before the receiver train goes anywhere, one train is likely to leave. The Davis train. He's had a good run. We'll talk about that, get some calls. Give your thoughts on that. How are you going to feel about Davis leaving? Which... I think is a big, big favorite to happen. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. What struck out to me watching him was just the utter lack of hesitation mm-hmm. as the pass rush collapsed upon him. And that's really been the case with Patrick Mahomes, right? His entire career when it comes to running, it's that situational awareness. Look, we live in a moment where there's some of the greatest dual threat quarterbacks ever, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. But I would argue on a down-to-down basis, Patrick Mahomes is as impactful a scrambler as any quarterback in the NFL, and it's why they won the football game. Mina Kimes of ESPN, that is correct on impact as a scrambler. Allen and Mahomes are the two best. The two best at turning pressure into not a sack. They are the two best. The sack percentage, the stats went out at the end of the season, saw the number that the five best quarterbacks at not getting sacked are Allen, Mahomes, Tua. uh, They're all McVay system guys. Maybe Purdy was all the... The, the, the McVay-Shanahan offense and Allen Mahomes. And it's because Allen Mahomes are the two best at evading pressure, evading sacks. So while Mahomes is not thought of as the running quarterback that some of the others are, um, in terms of evading pressure, he's as good as it gets. He and Allen are the two best. 803-0550. Speaking of the Chiefs, Jeremy White with you. Joe took off. He'll be back in tomorrow. Josh Schmidt producing. Speaking of the Chiefs, i got a question via Twitter, and I, I like this question. It's uh, it does. It feels like the first big domino to fall. 
for the Bills. And the first big, clear move to something else that we will see from them. We know Hyde and Poyer are are gone. We know that's going to happen probably, right? Like Hyde doesn't have a contract. Jordan Poyer, that that, that tandem is going to be broken up. We we fully expect that. They've got free agents, and Poyer is under contract. They could save money if they cut him. We'll see what the change happens at safety. But the really big one is going to be Gabe Davis. And Charles tweeted in earlier, about a about half hour ago, regardless of where he goes, if Davis has a blockbuster year with a new team, what does that say about his use in Buffalo, negligent or incompetent? And my reply to that was and is this. I I cannot picture a scenario where Davis goes somewhere else and has a great year and we are saying the Bills are incompetent in any way. What would the Bills' incompetence be? He's been on the field as much as any receiver in this offense. He plays all the time. And Josh Allen loves him. And he has gone games without a target. While Stephon Diggs and Dalton Kincaid are on the field. You've got guys that are very good at their job. And Davis is a nice player. Anytime we talk about this, I make I make a point to say, like, I do not think Davis is terrible. And even throughout this season, as we went through November, December, it was, I think they're going to need Gabe Davis if they're going to be at their best. And when he got hurt, to me, that was, you know, sometimes the offense looks like it still works, but you want your full stable of weapons. So Davis leaving for Trent Sherfield was a problem. And Davis has value, and he'll hit the market, and I don't care where he goes. I will not. I, I have a tough time believing I will get to any sort of regret because what the Bills need to do, the best scenario for the Bills, is forget about the first-round receiver. The first-round receiver is going to hopefully take them to a place that they haven't been in a while, which is to have two studs. And an ideal world, they draft a fourth-round receiver and they get Gabe Davis. That's the game. Gabe Davis, for the Bills, has been a tremendous draft pick, a great pick, who came in as a rookie and started contributing right away. Cheap. Those contracts are so cheap, it's not even funny. To get a receiver that can give you what Gabriel Davis did as a rookie and in his next four years, it is nuts. His cap hit in his rookie year was $780,000. His cap hit last year was 2.9 in four full seasons. You paid him $4 million. A fourth-round receiver to do that for you is jackpot. Jackpot. Gabe Davis made $4 million as a receiver on this team. Total. What you can't do is pay him 11 for one year or 30 for three years. It just doesn't make sense. The Bills need to do, at receiver, of course, what they've done at defensive end, which is say, like, that's a really expensive position. right? They go out and they hire, they, they, they get Leonard Floyd as a hired gun for $9 million, and Mario Addison. It's expensive to get defensive ends to come in. It's also expensive to get wide receivers. Every receiver idea you're going to see that you might like is, well, what about uh, Marquise Brown? Spot tracks market value is like $14 million. Well, Michael Pittman, $22 million. T. Higgins, $19 million. Like These are big numbers. It's also the case 
to draft a wide receiver. For some of these teams, you're going to see this coming up. You're going to see that the Georgia tight end coming out, Brock Bowers, is a great prospect, next awesome tight end prospect. If you're just doing the numbers of it, if you draft Brock Bowers, by the time you get to his fifth-year option, you are not saving much money. You are paying him like one of the best tight ends in football. Positions that have lower franchise tags, what that means is you get less value out of the draft. Wide receiver, quarterback, these have massive franchise tags. Massive numbers. To get a middle-of-the-road receiver, you're paying decent money. And to draft one is to just score majorly. When you when the uh when the prescription is we gotta find some cheap labor and some cap savings, you draft defensive line and receiver and quarterback. Like that's that's a place to save money. So Davis goes to the Chiefs and puts up ten touchdowns. I, I don't I don't care. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think about it. The only way that the, the Bills could look bad in all this is if they slow play receiver again. They go bargain bin on receiver and don't draft it and sign, you know, your Surefields and your Hardys again. It's not their fault. They are like one in four million dollar receivers. And that's that's where you had to hunt for a while if you're not going to draft one. Think about that. Like think about the value you got on Gabe Davis's contract, which for four years since being a rookie, the Bills paid him four million dollars. And Deontay Hardy got $4 million last year. Free agent receiver that you're going to try, $4 million. Jackpot hit in the fourth round, $4 million. And in a wide receiver class that is loaded, this is where the the math of it all lines up to draft one in the first and draft one in the third or the fourth. The Bills should definitely be in the market for two and It'll not only help a room that needs bodies in it, it will drastically help their cap to get this position boosted, bolstered for cheap money. And Davis, I just, I don't expect him to turn into a number one receiver. I expect him to go somewhere, get paid as he should, to be a role player, to be a guy, get some touchdowns, put up thousand yard seasons. Okay, I don't care. If he goes and plays with C.J. Stroud and plays across from Nico Collins, who they have on a cheap deal, and Tank Dell, who they have on a cheap deal, like I would expect him to have a nice, nice career. And I'm not going to sit here and watch his touchdowns and think, oh, no, what might have been? Not going to do it. Not, not in the same situation. Let, let's say it's the Texans. The Texans have a rookie quarterback contract. They've got all this room. Let's say it's the Bears. Let's say it's the Commanders. Okay? Not worried about it. Not thinking about it. The Bills have to live in a different wide receiver universe where you can't pay big money for a role player. You have to either pay big money for an elite guy, which the Bills are doing with Diggs, even though people are kind of down on Diggs right now. They paid a first-round draft pick to get a guy in his prime, and then they paid him. And that's good money spent because you get one of the best. You're paying a lot for it, but you're getting it. And next step for the Bills is to draft a one-slash-two that can maybe develop into that, and somebody else that's just going to – be cheap. And look at let's look at uh, let me pull, let me pull up Garrett Wilson's contract for you because he's a highly drafted first round receiver. And how much money is Garrett Wilson making? Garrett Wilson took one year to be what the best in considered the best rookie receiver in football. His cap hit last year was four point six. Deontay Hardy was four point five. 
Garrett Wilson, the same amount of cap hit as Deontay Hardy. Look at the difference between drafting a receiver and signing a receiver. There is unbelievable value in drafting one. It is one of the most expensive positions. It's not just that it's fun to talk about, it's sexy, we like to train horn for the wide receiver train. It is good business. And for the Bills, they love Davis. And it was just not good business to bring him back. Even if you're signing him for $8 million, that is a big number. When you could try to duplicate what he can do from a rookie and pay half of that one-year total over four years. So I'm not thinking about it. If you think this is a, a Jordan Poyer scenario where Poyer went out and tested the market and came back and signed for cheap, that could happen. I That number has to be so low for me to make sense. It has to be the Hardy number. It has to be $4 million. And for Davis to go out and come back for that, I mean, that seems really low. For a guy, again, Spotrek puts his value in the neighborhood of about 10. So it's not, it's not to trash Davis. It's not to say he's no good. I think he is good. He'll be useful somewhere. But the Bills cap situation, it does not line up. The math, the math doesn't make – you can't make the math work to pay Davis. So, you know, will I regret it? No. Not I, – I can't envision a scenario where the Bills regret letting Davis walk if he's making $10 million a year. Just keep drafting receivers until you get his replacement. You can aim higher, and you wouldn't even be in trouble if you drafted the exact same guy. I would take it 100 times out of 100 with a fourth-round pick – it costs you $4 million putting up those kind of numbers in a passing offense with Josh Allen and somebody else carrying the load. Like That's a jackpot. So get a time machine, go back, and draft Gabriel Davis out of UCF. That's a win. But you just can't sign him. So I don't care if it's the Chiefs, it's the Bengals. There's no place you can tell me he signs I'd be scared. The Jets, the Patriots, the Dolphins, don't, I'm not going to worry about it. It's just the nature of it. 803-0550. Ben and Amherst. Hey, Ben. Morning. Morning. Good. I feel like we've been kind of having a variation of the same conversation for five years now. And um, I, I mean, I agree, draft a receiver and one or two. I, I think obviously it helps. Um, but this conversation's so omnidimensional. It's, and, and I feel like no matter what we do, no matter who we draft, no matter who we trade for, no matter who we sign, no matter who we bring on to the coaching staff, I just feel like we're never going to get past Reed and Mahomes. And that's just kind of where I'm at. I mean, this is great to talk about, yeah. you know, during the off season as we ramp up. But at the end of the day, I don't think any of it's really going to matter. <laughs> I, I, it's a tough spot to be in, Ben. I, I, they're fresh off another win. I get it. They've made the plays. The Bills haven't, I know. But, I mean, the Bills are not going to give up. Nobody's going to give up. I saw Mike Florio today suggesting Kyle Shanahan might need a fresh start soon. Like he, the, the Niners should give up on Kyle Shanahan. It's pro sports. It's competition. Somebody's in your way. Sorry. If the Bills are going to give up, that's – I mean, they're not. They're not going to give up. Josh Allen's not going to give up. I don't know. If you feel that way, I, I, I there's nothing I can do for you. I'm not saying it's – irrational it's it's a reality these guys are in your way and they're not going anywhere 8030550188552550 to join us get a call in on the other side as well they've been lucky and good but also lucky 
and good. Do you know that Patrick Mahomes has the Super Bowl record for fumble recoveries now? That's right. Why does he have everything? Patrick Mahomes has the Super Bowl record for fumble recoveries. That means he's not secure with the ball. <laughs> well, you play in a lot of Super Bowls. That's that's going to be something that happens. We'll get a break in 803-0550. If you're on hold, stick with us. On Davis, the first big domino. Wherever that ends up, it'll be juicy to talk about. But regret? I just don't see it. I don't see it in our future. 803-0550 to join us. Jeremy and Joe. Joe took off. He's back tomorrow here on WGR. Happy birthday, Peter Gabriel. Saw him at KeyBank Center a little bit ago. Good time. Hey, good morning, Jeremy and Joe. Joe's out today. Or he left. He was here. He'll be back tomorrow. Paul Hamilton's coming up in a minute. I just saw something that I love. Thank you, Kevin Cole. Kevin Cole, formerly of Pro Football Focus and of the uh, Expected Points podcast. You know, you should never, ever let it be lost on you that the winners get to tell the story. Because the Chiefs and the Niners and these one-off games and how they completely build castles of whatever. My metaphor is falling apart. Anyway, here's what he has. Fourth downs, going for it, being aggressive, this and that, right? Really important. Got to be, got to be, it's important to be smart. Kevin Cole tweeting out that Andy Reid chose to kick field goals or punt four times in regulation and cost the Chiefs an estimated 10% win probability. Still got to overtime in one, largely because one of those led directly to a muffed return. Another was a record-breaking field goal that went right through the arms of defenders. On a long kick and on the muffed punt. Wrong decisions by the numbers. Outcome came through for them. They win. If you're Kyle Shanahan, you're the guy at the blackjack table. I mean, he's not exactly one to play it right either. So, But Andy Reid and the Chiefs, sometimes they're sitting at that table hitting on 19 and winning. And everyone's like, look at, the, look at them. They know how to win. 10% win probability cost. Still won in overtime. Good for them. 803-0550-1888-550-2550 to join us. We'll get to Paul Hamilton. We've got a Sabres game tonight against the Kings. Owen Power likely to miss some time. Don Granato told us that. Uh, got to miss about a week at least. They're going to get more of an update on how that's going to go, but um, he's got an injury that will keep him out for some time, so no Owen Power for a bit for the Sabres. Ukapeka Lukin and expected to start again. Sabres and Kings tonight at KeyBank Center. You can give us a call, 803-0550. Check in with Paul Hamilton. Take your calls. I want to talk about Tiger's new Tiger Woods, his new golf gear. I'm going to talk about that. Have you seen it, Josh? Eh, I don't like it that much. It's, I don't know. It's I'll say up it. in the air. I'll say it. It's not good at all. It's bad. It's really bad. Get to that a little more. People don't want to hear that. Tiger can do anything he wants, and people are going to buy the gear. You revolutionized the golf fashion. I get it. The new gear. Mm -mm. Whiff. But that's okay. 803-0550. You can give us a call if you want. Have a take. You know, all that good stuff. Jeremy and Joe and Paul Hamilton coming up here on WGR.
It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People will ask me, well, how are the Sabres going? Are they going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Sabres game night. We'll talk with Paul Hamilton. His appearance on WGR brought to you by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. Paul, good morning. How are you today? How'd you like the Super Bowl? It was fine. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I didn't care who won one way or the other, so uh, I was just looking for a good game, which I didn't get to start with, <laughs> but uh, it eventually showed up. You got there. Yeah. Not annoyed by the Chiefs? Not tired of them yet? No, not at all. I enjoy great greatness, and I personally don't think Patrick Mahomes is a jerk. I mean, what he did with Josh Allen after the regular season game was a little bit out of character, and he apologized to Josh Allen publicly the next day. I mean, he lost his head, you know, and it wasn't a good look for him. But overall, I I, don't, I, I like the guy. I, I think he, he seems like a good guy to me, and he seems like a great quarterback, and I enjoy watching him play. So um, I don't even care about Taylor Swift. I couldn't care less if they showed Taylor Swift on TV. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, she's there cheering on her boyfriend. So uh, none of that stuff bothers me. Paul, what does bother you is uh, Sabres' efforts like Saturday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that, tra- yeah, like that transition. Paul, one thing I want to say, you know, you, you've been at all these games, and I, I don't have analytics for this. I don't have numbers for this. But the number of times they have had a full house there for an event night, whether it's a Friday night or a Saturday or a black and red or this or that, and the effort has not matched the crowd, man, it's, it, to me it's like a theme of the year. That I've been there for nights where, okay, let's just have a good time here. And then we don't have a good time. No, and and this is a team that um, it's not like just a, a, you know something like, oh, you know what, it just kind of happened. They weren't good at home last year. It's a thing now. They have a team that can't perform at home. It's not a, a freak thing that just happened. It's happened for two straight seasons now where they cannot perform at home. This year they're around a, a 440 points percentage, and last year they were at 463. And it's a thing now. They, they have a core group that cannot play at home. And you're quite honestly, when you're that bad at home, you're just not going to be in the playoffs. You're just not going to be uh, any type of a championship team. You, you can't be that way. They tend to be better on the road. Last year they were better on the road than they are this year, but they, they've they gotten some big road wins. I mean, look at what they did in California. They got behind by two goals in two different games, and they came back and won both of them handily and uh, scored four unanswered goals in one game and five un- unanswered goals in the other. So, um, you know, that, that homestand, that six-game homestand before the break, that was supposed to be the thing that kind of vaulted them. Three and three. Yeah. And now they've lost two more. So now they've only won three of their last eight home games. And it just it just kills them that that, that, that goes on. And you're right. I mean, fans want to cheer. They're there to cheer. You can tell because when they do score the one goal that they're going to score in that game, you know, they get pretty excited about it. But – you know, whether it's fair, whether it's not fair, it's been 12 years going on 13 years for these fans. Now, this group hasn't been around for 12 and 13 years. So as soon as the power play, and they scored a power play goal the other night, but then they got booed on the next couple of power plays. 
the fans just have no appetite for them playing poorly uh, because they've watched them play poorly for 12 to 13 years, and uh, they're just tired of it. And it's a shame, too, because I thought they were winning their fans back. I mean, one of the things Kevin Adams talked about when he got the job and kept talking about is he understands why the fans aren't there. And it's his his job and the player's job to win the fans' trust back and to win them back. And it seemed like they were making some progress, quite a bit of progress, I thought, last year towards the end of the year with that. Fans were coming back, and they were excited to be there. And the team was on a run that almost got them in the playoffs. And all summer long, I mean, when people would stop me in establishments or on the street or whatever to talk hockey, it was 99% excitement from the fans that they were excited for this season coming up. And they really thought, you know, that this is going to be it. They're going to break the the, the streak. And they got a, good, a bunch of good young players. And, yeah, they do. But those good young players have a lot of issues. And... You know, it, now I think they've. I think that they're starting to lose those fans again. I think yeah. I don't go on the secondary ticket market, so you could speak on this better than I can. But I think you can get very inexpensive tickets again right now. <laughs> um, I think people are having trouble giving away their tickets again, where you see the bottom bowl, not having people in those seats. You know, those seats are sold, but uh, you know, people just they don't. They, they they don't have an appetite for this team because it's been 13, almost 13 years now since you know they've seen a good product. Yeah, and you know, Paul, they're, they're also in a strange spot. I mentioned this earlier. Like Casey Middlestat, he said he has not heard from the organization about an extension, right? Now we're getting rumors about he might be traded at the deadline. They're, they're fielding calls on Middlestat. And it's not often that a team can get to a spot where – their fans and everybody that follows the organization has prospect and pick fatigue, but we are definitely there. If you promised a Sabres fan a first-round pick and a prospect for Middlestat, that might be a good package for most teams. But right about now, no one wants to hear about a pick or a prospect. No, nor should they. That's not what they need right now. And my question is, why does it have to be Middlestat? This is a flawed team. And when I say this, I'm not blaming the players that I might mention right here. I'm blaming the core itself. The, the core has a very, it's, there are very good players here, but it's not working. They don't work together. They don't work as a team. It doesn't mesh together well, and it's not working. So my question is, why does it have to be Middlestat? What if you shop Thompson? What if you shop Cousins? To see maybe what if that would get, not for picks, but what if that gets you the right-handed shooting defenseman that can play next to Rasmus Dahlin, who's a really good top four defenseman? What if uh, trading a player like that gets you that? Because what can you do then? Let's say Tate Thompson gets you a really good defenseman, a top defenseman that you can pair with Dahlin. Okay, now... You can sign Casey Middlestat and make him part of your core. And you can put Casey Middlestat in your top six, which right now, well, you can now because of injury, but if there are no injuries, he's not in your top six. And then you have backup behind Casey Middlestat. You have Kulik, you have Savoy, you have Ostlin. You have all these young players that are behind, that are all centermen, that are behind it. So, and I'm not blaming Tage Thompson whatsoever for the problems of the Buffalo Sabres. But my, the, what I'm getting at is why why can't you just be bold? Yeah. 
and well, make a big move for something because then now maybe you can make a 25-year-old leading scorer part of your core. Paul, you know, you ask why can't you be bold? When's the last time they were in a trade? Is it the O'Reilly trade? Is it the last time the organization was bold in making a trade? O'Reilly trade, the Eichel trade, you know, getting uh, Alex Tuck and a number one pick and Krebs and the rest of it. I don't know. Would you call the the Reinhardt trade that? You got no. Levi and a number one pick. I don't know if the, you would call that or not. Me, I, wouldn't. Are- I, I would call bold sending more out to get something better in you know the the dump the dump and change trades they've got their spot i'm I'm not saying that they're not worthy Uh of of making good deals but i'm talking about the organization making a firm flag in the ground this guy is going to make us better we're going to move forward it's time to you know we we've sometimes talked about pressing fast forward paul at this point Mm -hmm. the sabers need to press fast forward to get on schedule with some of these other teams that they should probably be on schedule with to me it's not fast forward to me it's the next thing and it should have been done last summer. And that's the thing. The, where, where the miscalculations were made is we got some really, really good young players, and they're all going to get better this year, and that's what we need. It, had that happened, we'd be talking about a play, playoff team. But you're asking young players to all get better after they had career years. As it turns out, except for J.J. Paterka and Jeff Skinner, they all regressed. And here you are. You're... you're, you're where you're at right now so what they what they needed to do last summer is to add that top four defenseman they added bottom defenseman they added depth for rochester that could come up if you have injury they added all that but they didn't add a top four defenseman they didn't add a forward knowing that jack quinn is going to be out because they think all right well, well we're all right it doesn't matter we got some really good forwards here and they weren't even thinking Benson was going to be part of the team at the time when the off season was going on. And then he becomes part of the team. So that's where the mistakes were made. Is that? And when I'm talking about trading somebody in your core for that defenseman, that's exactly what I'm talking about, is, is a bold move that is value for value. And, I mean, coming back with the same group, is unacceptable. It's just not acceptable. Or coming back where you've switched out your number six and your number seven defenseman is unacceptable. Coming out where you've you know swapped out your number 13 forward is unacceptable. That's not what this team needs right now. They have proven as a group they do not work. And you've got some players that other teams are interested in. And... You need to pull off a big, I think, uh, maybe even a signature move, if you want to call. I think that's maybe what you're talking about here that kind of states this is where we're headed right now because what we've got right now isn't working. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. So tonight's the Kings, and, uh, you know, it's going to be wild, Paul, to see where this team ultimately falls and what they do in the offseason because, you know, you're talking about – you're talking about getting, I mean, desperate might be my word for it, but, you know, you, you referenced the idea of potentially trading or shopping Thompson or Cousins. And, you know, the coach is something that a lot of fans would ask about. Like, what about changing coach and getting somebody that's had experience, getting a team to take them to the next step? And I, I don't know if you think that that is something that's in the cards this offseason. I don't think it's in the cards in season, but in the offseason, do you think that could possibly happen? 
anything's possible, but I think it would have to be even a worse fall than we've seen already because Terry Pagula is in a big hurry to give out contract extensions with both his teams. And he saw some progress in last year, so here come the contract extensions. Guess what? They haven't started yet. So I don't think Terry Pagula has an appetite of firing a coach who hasn't even started his contract extension yet. Um, I think if Don Granado were to be fired, it would come from ownership. I do not believe it would come from Kevin Adams. And um, so I think that's where that stands. Um, it's, I mean, there are things that, that Don Granado do. I think he enables his team too much um, at, at, you know, with, with, you know, the pressure word that he uses quite often. We just go from one pressure situation to another. And pretty soon, some at some point, these young kids have to learn there is pressure in the National Hockey League. And we can't just keep going from, all right, you're in a playoff race pressure to injury pressure to now you have a new contract pressure and there's pressure with that. And we just can't keep going from pressure to pressure to pressure. At some point, young players have to learn how to handle pressure. And it doesn't seem like this team has the mental capacity to handle pressure at the, from what I've seen it up to this point. Paul Hamilton. Paul, tonight, Eye in the Blue and Gold, brought to you by Great Lakes Building Systems. We keep an eye on your business. So you don't have to. Great Lakes Building Systems, our business is protecting your business. What's your eye on tonight? Lukanen, as they uh, continue to ride him as a number one? Oh, absolutely. I, I think the next time you see either Levi or, Com- or Comrie would be first week in March when they have back-to-backs in Toronto and Nashville. So I think it's Lukanen until then, unless Lukanen wears down, which they monitor. I mean, they, their sports science department does a very good job. And if he wears down to a point where they got to put somebody in, that could happen beforehand. But lately they're getting a lot of days off in between games, you know, so, so that hasn't uh, been a problem for them. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's Lukanen for the foreseeable future as far as, you know, how much he's going to play. And if he can handle it, I think he plays right up until the first week in March when they have those back-to-back games. Thank you, Paul. Enjoy tonight. Take care. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. It's going to be the Kings, which means there's, there is an L.A. street-style hot dog from what I've, uh, I've learned. Now, sometimes you're naming, they're naming the dog after somebody from L.A., maybe a king dog, Kings. Purple crema. I'm, I'm predicting. I'm predicting purple crema. Who did they use that for earlier? It was Minnesota. Minnesota. The, yeah. the purple rain. Purple yeah. rain for the Prince hot dog. Purple the, rain. The lion or the king's mascot is a lion, but I don't think they could make a lion hot dog, could they? I don't think that's legal to have. You know, like eat, to eat lion. Yeah, but also like a, a lion theme seems. Listen, if an too. animal would eat you, you should be allowed to eat it. That should just be a, just a rule. That animal will eat you. You, it's not illegal to eat it. Yeah, I think that's a good fair. I think that's fair to live by. Like as long as you're not, you know, doing anything outrageous with it. Like you know, if if the lion was endangered, would you be saying the same thing? Mm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm in danger if the lion is there. So yes, I, that's fine. <laughs> uh, street style dog. One of these has habanero, some carrots. We'll see what they end up doing with the uh, the hot dog of the day. Squeeze a call in here before the break. Jerry and Kenmore. Jerry, good morning, sir. 
Good morning. Um, I'm just glad we're not having the kick it or uh, defer it uh, conversation. I like the conversation. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I do, but the analytics are fifty-fifty on it. There's very good reasons to take it, whether it's a gas, uh, you know, defense, whether it's getting the third possession. Um, the, 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 the taking, the kicking is, is the, the decision what to do if you both score touchdowns. There's, yeah. there are, that's, it all. that's one of the reasons I love it was we finally have something where if, if you love analytics or hate the analytics, you just get to say like, actually it says do what you want. And then you get just get do what you want. Right. Um, my, my point is this, uh, once you get, again, get that quarterback that takes up, you know, 25% of your cap or whatever percentage it's going to be, you need a lot of guys on rookie deals. And we're going to have 10 of them this year, potentially plus free agents, which is huge. Cause that's what Kansas city has done very well the past two years. The other thing is, can you isolate a high paying position and just always devote a first or second round pick? To that so you never get in a position where you have to overpay at that position i know it would be hard to do but you know has cincinnati started to do that where two years from now they part with chase instead of resigning them because of the two contracts burrow and him are going to conflict you know i think green bay is the model that is how fast you can flip a wide receiver group be very young and very cap friendly yeah i i mean we'll see what the bengals do with t higgins because there's plenty of belief that Higgins will hit the market. They can't pay Higgins and Chase and Burrow. They're going to pay – they did pay Burrow. I bet they will pay Chase. I mean, those two, you know, they've got that connection. You can always pay one of them. But, yeah, I mean, the Bills have done this at defensive end. They've drafted it, and immediately a good argument for Apinesa and Rousseau and Basham has been it's really expensive to pay free agents at that spot. And even when they do that – who are their free agent defensive ends? They signed Vaughn for 20-plus, Leonard Floyd for nine. They've spent big money to constantly have defensive ends, and the investments they've made in that position, I'm not sure if they're getting that, their return on that. They need to st- start treating receiver like they do defensive end, which is what they used to do. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, one year, $7 million, I think it was, six, $7 million, and a draft pick. They, they, they had the formula, and they kind of got away from it for a little while, so hopefully that comes back. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Can I tell you the most annoying sentence I've read in my life? I just read. I just read the most annoying sentence in my entire life. After the break, let's do that. You might. I mean, you, you might guess what it's about. You might also guess that it's written by Mike Florio. He's got like the top twelve sentences I've, uh, that I've twelve of the top fifteen. He's written something that man. He votes for MVP. And to write a line like this is to be so prisoner of the moment. It's 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 it's, it's wild, but we'll do it. That on the other side, and I want to. I got to talk about Tiger Woods and this new golf line. As uh, you know, a self-proclaimed golf fashion icon. Maybe icon's wrong. Fashionista. I'm definitely not an icon, but I am an ista. I, I've got things to say about Tiger's new huge deal with his new. I, I'll get to that. I got a source on that too. I got a super secret insider golf fashion guy texted me this morning about Tiger stuff. Huh? How about that? Whatever. Humor me. We'll be back on WGR. You're the coach, Kyle Shanahan. It's your job to make sure you articulate 
what the situation is, that your players know all the rules they need to know. That's number one. Number two, hold the players accountable. Last time I checked, you can read. Yes. You understand? You, 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 you're playing the game. This is your profession. How in God's name are you going to be post-game at the Super Bowl and talk about you weren't even aware of the circumstances of an overtime game when it's a Super Bowl championship yes. on the line? Stephen A., I don't think your fullback has to know the overtime rules. The coach does. But, hey, whatever. You got to know everything. You got to know everything. Does Andy Reid have to know that he kicked four times, sacrificing 10% win probability throughout the Super Bowl? Does Andy Reid have to know that? No. But his fullback knows the overtime rules. Okay. Hey. The most annoying sentence I've ever read. Here it comes. Mike Florio. In the article about Patrick Mahomes setting the record for career, for career fumble recoveries in the Super Bowl, Mike Florio writes, If you don't like it, there's nothing to say. Unless you plan on not watching football, you'll be seeing plenty more greatness from Mahomes for as long as he keeps playing. Ten years, 15 years, maybe even longer. It's hard not to think we will eventually look back on when Mahomes got to three and we actually wondered whether he'll catch Brady's seven. That's not the most annoying sentence. That's not it. Here it comes. At this point, the bigger question might be whether Mahomes gets to double digits. That's asking seven. I think the bigger debate is if he gets to ten. All right. That's fine. That's fine. He's 28. Let's not forget. Like, yes. You know, you want to know something? He could play till he's 38, but at the same time, he's not going to play at this level the, until he's 38. This is where we are getting into Brady territory, where it's where, because for me, it's, you know, I asked Paul about it and Paul Hamilton. He last segment, he's like, I appreciate greatness. I do too. I don't have anything bad to say about Mahomes' greatness. What I do have to say is, I want the sport to be interesting, and Tom Brady. And his continued dominance was the most boring thing on earth. And every year it was, wow, can you believe it? Now he's the GOAT again. Boring as all whatever. Mahomes has already been declared the GOAT to De- Dominique Foxworth on ESPN. Just now. He's already the GOAT. All right, great. Then he doesn't need to win anymore. Shut it down now. And when he retires with three, we'll just say, well, he was clearly the best of all time. Brady got seven, but the guy with three, he's already it. Okay, he's already it. I don't want to put this Twitter poll up, but I thought about it. Mahomes gets ten. The Bills get one. Would you take it? I want somebody to call and say no. Who on earth would say no? Because the the mindset is, no matter what, just one. Just one. Would you make that deal with the devil? The devil walks up and says, hey, here's the deal. You're going to get one. I'll get you one. But that Mahomes guy is going to get 10. You want it? Let's be honest. If you got one in the midst of 10, it might even look more impressive. Right. Like you took him down while right. he was in his prime. You were the one that took him down. You get one, he gets 10. You want it? Go ahead, Josh. You want it? Yeah. I mean, it's it, I, I have a, a theory with sports championships where once you get that one, I feel like they just kind of start to, like, 
you know, pop up here and they're like, hey, look, they won one. And then, oh, look, three years later, they got another. And, oh, they were back a couple years after that. And then the next year they won it. It's like, I don't know. I feel like it's like getting the monkey off your back, getting over the hump and just doing it. It kind of like, I guess, breeds confidence, even though it's not the same group every year. It's just like, hey, that team can win. Like, they did it. Whereas when you haven't won one, it's like, yeah, you can win, but, like, can you win everything? And I just think that, you know, once a team gets there, it's it's a different conversation. But in this scenario, if it's just 10 to 1, I'm still taking it. No no questions asked. Maybe that's tomorrow's Let's Get Stupid. I got a couple other. I got, they're starting to pile up the Let's Get Stupid ideas. Tomorrow, Joe will be back tomorrow. Joe took off a little early today. I'll bring up the idea. Paul, Paul brought up the idea. Shop Tage Thompson. Shop Cousins. His general point is that no one should be considered safe. 803-0550. All right, on to a lighter topic and a more fun topic and one that I will also uh, get to. I don't know. I don't really I don't feel like I'm being a hater. I'm just being honest with this one for me. I'm honest with everything. Tiger Woods' new golf line. Are you ready? Here's the review. Because Tiger Woods has partnered with TaylorMade, and there's a new line of Tiger golf clothing. There's a new logo, there's a new wordmark, and there's also an explanation for what it all means. So Tiger's got a new logo. It's a tiger, um, and the logo itself is... Uh, how do I say this nicely? If my son drew it, I would say, that's a really nice tiger. It looks like it was drawn by like a seven-year-old. But there's a method behind the madness. For instance, did you know that this new 15-stripe tiger emblem, uh, emblem represents his 15 major wins? That's why the tiger has 15 stripes that don't really seem to match up or have a body or form. That's why. In addition to that, there's a word mark. There's a new word. Maybe you'd seen the release a while back. Tiger's going to go into golf gear again. And it, the, the line is called Sunday Red. Well, okay. Tiger Woods did really pioneer or what? He wore red on Sundays. It was his thing. It was cool. That's awesome. There's no doubt about that. You see a guy wearing red on a golf course, you say, like, what are you, Tiger Woods? Tiger owned the color, which is awesome. Now they're calling it Sunday Red. Okay, nothing wrong with the idea of a Sunday red as a brand name. No, 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 no. That is three words. Sun, day, and red. Calling it Sunday red was a fun way for us to create something completely different and unexpected. Born from a love being outside in the sun, the joy of playing golf during the day, and a special red being the brand's power color, as soon as sun, day, red was placed on a garment for the first time. It just looked perfect. And in this picture is a picture of Howard, or Howard, listen to me, Tiger wearing a sweatshirt that says Sun Day Red. It's just so clunky. Like, I, I was reading it thinking there was a typo. There's only going like, to be one way that this three-word phrase works, and that's if it's stacked vertically, because then people won't know it's three words. It'll just look, look like... Sunday Red. They've made it a three-word word mark. It's horrible. It's awful. The first four things I've seen, awful. 
I'm sorry if you like Tiger and you want to wear these things because Tiger's cool and I get that. Man, what a whiff. What a whiff. I'm not going to lie. I was really excited about it, and then I just started looking more and more into it, and I, now I don't want to get anything from it. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, it doesn't look that appealing to me. The logo looks weird. The words bother me, and I just, I don't know. It's just something off about it. So Andrew tweets in, different strokes for different folks, I suppose. He's being bold. It's most likely going to influence other golf brands to modernize. Let me say, golf is modernized. We live in the golden age of golf fashion we have for years. I've got Scotty Scheffler wearing a golf hoodie and joggers at Pebble Beach during an event. Brady wearing, I mean, Brady looked good playing golf the other day with Allen. They're wearing hoodies. There's flat brim rope hats. Golf is trendy fashion as it is. This is not setting trends. Go ahead and old takes expose me. I If there's one thing I love, it is golf gear right now. I dress like I'm going to play golf all the time. I'm wearing a quarter zip from Roback right now that is called the Sunday Pin with my Encore golf hat. I'm dressed like I could go play right now. I dress in golf gear. Sunday red. Whiff. Take a mulligan. Start it again. Your Tiger Woods. Demand better. There you go. Did not expect to uh, this massive. The, the report, the rumor was he was going to go to Grayson again, like t- to the tweeter about modernizing golf clothing. Holy cow, we are modern! Like it is billions and billions and billions. And Tiger's late in the game. He came out with a bad logo and a bad word mark. Good luck. There you go. He did say he can play once a month, though. I'm, I'm into. I'm, I'm not mad at Tiger. Although he probably should have like vetoed this. Anyway, he he says he can play once a month. He's going to play in the Genesis coming up. That's good. So yeah, eight oh three oh five fifty. If you want one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Tiger cautionary tale on Mahomes there, right? For Tiger, it was oh he's definitely going to catch Jack, and then he didn't, and he won't. And again, there are factors, but. Mahomes, oh, he's definitely going to catch Brady. Mike Florio saying, like, oh, it's a matter of time. The question is, will he get to double digits? Maybe he's done at three. That's not impossible that he's done at three. But he might. I wouldn't bet it, but we could find out that Andy Reid is the key to the magic, and all of a sudden when he retires, what if, you know, the Chiefs stall? And he things could, I mean, don't keep going the way they're going. Do you want a fun stat on Mahomes in the Super Bowl? So this is, again, like you decide how much you value this, but I think it's funny because does point differential tell you that you're good or not? Sometimes we do this with the Bills. The Bills have the best point differential in the NFL the last couple of years. Like they're, they're the best team, one of the best teams, Josh Allen, all this good stuff. The, the Bills are great. Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl is 3-1. and one. His point differential is a minus 6. I mean... If you care about if you, if you're one of these that just really respects point differential, which it took a big hit for me this year with the Bills because they blew out bad teams and then would lose games, and you know, congrats on your point differential. But if you like it, Mahomes is a minus in the Super Bowl on point differential. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Howard Simon, who I inadvertently just mentioned Howard in that rant about Tiger, has sent me Luke Easterling's latest mock draft. He just texted it to me. And 
What do we have here for the Bills? What do we have? I'll scroll through it. I'll see what uh, I'll report back in Extendo Sports. That's coming up here on WGR. Breaking sports news airs first here. Guaranteed. WGR Sports Radio 550. 2020 Sports. Extendo Sports. All right, wrapping things up here for this show. I just retweeted if you want to check this out. Uh, ESPN, Kevin Van Valkenburg did a piece about the Taylor Swift effect on football and fathers connecting with daughters during the entire NFL season. And I watched it, and it was really good, really nice. That's all. Check it out. If it bothers you, don't. That's fine. But uh, I liked it. I watched it during the break. My daughter is almost three. She does know who Taylor Swift is. Is and during football games we would say like there she is and she would get excited because she is a fan already before before age three she likes Taylor Swift so anyway she also likes the national anthem my kids love the national anthem it gets them moving out of the house when we were going to go to a hockey game Saturday we went to the kids day game on Sabertooth's birthday there and we got to make sure we get there we got to get there for the national anthem and then they stand and they want to sing along for the national anthem so whatever gets them moving right. Was it just me, or was Reba's anthem kind of, like, fast? Like, it felt like she was singing quicker than people normally sing. Because they always do, like, everyone times the anthem and stuff like that. And I feel like usually it's around, like, the 145 mark, and I feel like hers was, like, 130-ish. She was really fast early. And, and then, then slowed down? Yeah, slowed down and even did one of those things where you add just... You have the, you have the anthem? See if you can grab it real quick and fast forward to the end. Home of the Brave, and then after the Brave, you say, whoa, and does that count as more anthem, or does the anthem end on the last word? This is where Gene Sterator need to come in and say, actually, actually, guys, the anthem ends on the V of Brave, and if you do any sort of freelancing or riffing after the fact, that is post-anthem singing. I would have been into that for Gene's territory if he had done that. When's the next time I'll see a rules analyst? No football until, you know, preseason. You get a rules analyst on tonight's Sabres King, Kings broadcast? Probably not. You've got the anthem? Okay, get the finish here. You'll see what I mean. She said brave twice. That second brave added like seven seconds. I, I would constitute as that that as part of the anthem. It's still words of the song. Like if you're adding in like the whoa, like it's not necessarily a part of the song. Like if this, I say home of the brave and then say the brave again, yeah, that's part of the anthem. It's kind of like the fo- uh, uh, making a football move. She's finished the anthem. She's adding an anthem move. I want to know what the sports books would have done with that. I really now I really want to ask. Let's get let's, we got to find Gene's territory. Get him on the show. Tell him that I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I just hate his role on the broadcast. I would want to know if that counts as anthem or if that's post anthem. I I think the ruling should be post anthem. Right? If you get a flag after the play, personal fu- that's different than a flag during the play. Post whistle. All right. 
don't know what the ruling was. She might have gone, I think she went under regardless, so it's not that big of a deal. Tomorrow is Wednesday. We'll, of course, have a recap of tonight's Sabres game. Sabres and Kings. And hmm, no Owen Power for a little bit of time here. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see how upset everybody is. And uh, maybe just just gently poke the idea that Paul brought up about shopping Tage. You know, just what is that over there? What is that? Tage? It's like Pandora's box. Hey. Once you open it. I know. Yeah. All right, 803-0550 to get on with the next show for sales coming up. Um, that's it. Back tomorrow. Thanks for calling, listening, texting, and uh, all that good stuff. Enjoy the rest of your day. Overcast temps in the uh, you know mid-upper 30s. Maybe we see the sun tomorrow. It'd be nice. Cheers. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.